0: This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Today, we have an episode that started it all. The Transition to Travels series has been near and dear to my heart for a few reasons. First of all, they take a long time to make. I interview an individual or a couple before they have gone on a big trip when they're in the middle of a huge life change, either quitting their job to travel, selling their home, maybe all of the above. And then I catch up with them months or sometimes longer down the road and interview them after they've spent a good chunk of time out traveling the world. In this case, they had traveled the world for a year. You really get to see if some of the fears beforehand were legitimate, if the idea of what travel was going to be really matched up with the reality of it, and you get to get a deeper understanding of the transformative power that travel has just by listening to one couple's story. That's all coming at you today in this interview. Plus, I am going to answer the question, how do you use big picture thinking to accomplish all of your travel goals and life goals for that matter. I'll share what I mean by big picture thinking and why that has been so helpful for me. I'll also share a book recommendation, something that very much relates to this episode and book I'm reading right now. And, of course, I'll leave you with a quote. All this and more coming in today's show right now. So buckle up, strap in, thanks for being here and... Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. And I have been heavily addicted to small cinnamon buns. (laughs) Lately, these little small cinnamon buns, You can buy in the store. I've had three of those and a coffee now. So I'm all charged up, um, fired up, ready to bring you this episode. What are you munching on? What are you doing? What's up with you? Hope you're doing well today. And I'm so excited to bring you this highlight from the archive. I have a whole series of shows I've done around the transition to travel. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know, I'm a bit obsessed with this whole process of the transition, not What you were doing before and ending that, not the next thing you do, but that middle part that feels messy for a lot of us, right? You're trying to kind of figure things out. There might be a lot of fears involved when you're transitioning from one thing to the next in life, whatever that is. In this case today, we're talking about that transition to travel, which a lot of us have to make if you want to travel long term or full time. You're going to have to give up a certain lifestyle, if it's a status quo type of lifestyle where you're settled down and you might have to give up your house and your job and things like that, or uh, maybe you're giving something else up. A lot around that whole process of making the transition, and that's why I started putting these types of shows together, even though they take a long time to make, because I wanted to give you an audio snapshot of what it's like when somebody makes that decision, how they're feeling before a trip, and then how they're feeling months into a trip or at the end of a trip, and putting it all into one podcast. And this was the show that started it all. Now, let me tell you more about today's interview. You're going to hear an audio snapshot of one couple who took the time to be interviewed by me right before they were leaving on their trip, after they'd quit their jobs and done all of the stuff it takes to transition to that long-term travel lifestyle. And they were getting ready to travel for a year. They weren't sure where it was going to lead. They had an open-ended ticket. And they were totally open-minded. They quit their jobs and they were leaving. And it takes so much to get to that point. And if you listen to this show, you know I'm fascinated by this transition to travel, that time leading up to actually rearranging your life to travel the world. And it's a journey in and of itself. It really is. Yes, you learn so much through travel, about the world, about cultures, about yourself, but you also learn so much rearranging your life just to get to the point of travel because there are so many different themes involved. If you think about it, you're talking about minimizing your life, maybe you know mentally and physically detaching from some things you own, maybe even detaching your identity from your job if you have to quit your job and leave. Well, what does that mean? Who are you without your job? And all these questions that come up as you go through this. So... I really wanted to paint the picture of how travel can transform somebody for better or worse or just share that experience in a way that was unique, in a way that was not done before that I know of. So I got this couple to agree to be interviewed and again, interviewed them right before their trip after they'd been through all this. And then a year later, over a year later, actually, after they had taken this trip around the world... And you'll get to hear how they changed, what they learned about travel and living on the road. And they're going to share those tips with you as well. You know, how they saved on their budget, how you can pack better, all the things that you learn through experience. And it's so fresh because they were just coming off the trip. So you're doing (laughs) some crazy time traveling today, as I mentioned at the top, because you're going to be hearing them before they left and then a year later, all in one episode. And it's just... A great opportunity to see how travel changes people and how it changed at least this one couple and really better understand that transformation that can take place and the fears that take place beforehand. And, you know, were they matching up to the reality? And this is another question, you know, do the ideas of long term travel or the nomadic lifestyle match up with the reality of it? I mean, I don't think the idea of anything can ever truly match up to the reality of it because it's always a different experience, but you're going to get to really see how it matched up for them. You know, was it close? Was it far off? There's a lot to explore in this episode. I know you're going to dig it. Let me know what you think about it. I want to do more episodes like this, but I would need your help to do that because I have no way of knowing who out there in the listening community is involved in the transition to travel portion of tr- of travel, that journey before the journey right now. You know, who's thinking about it and getting ready to potentially quit their job or who maybe out there has just quit their job or has just, you know, sold their house or who is kind of mulling it over, you know, at night. Maybe it's keeping you up at night. Like, mm, should I do this thing? And what would that mean for my life? And how am I going to save money and find the time? And what am I going to do with my stuff? And all of those things, I need to talk to you Please get in touch. You can email me, jason at zero2travel travel.com. I always also leave a link to a place where you can easily leave me a voice message. I'll send you one back if you do that. And if you're going through this transition, you want to share your story, you want to inspire others, help others in the community, feel free to offer yourself up as a guest. Okay, let's slip and slide into this interview now, and I will see you on the other side. Don't forget to stick around. We're going to talk about big picture thinking And I'm going to share a book that I'm reading that's been uh, really enjoyable for me and why I'm reading it, plus a quote to leave you with at the end. Stick around for all that. I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Today, I'm excited to share another transition to travel story from... Two people in this community. When I say transition to travel, I'm talking about the process of leaving a job and or totally changing your life around to accommodate more travel. It can be difficult, it can be scary, it can be intimidating or insert any number of other adjectives. Making that leap is a huge decision, and I think it's important to share these stories because they can help us gain new perspectives and learn what we can do better during our own transition. So I'm thrilled to welcome Sophia and Teague here to the podcast. Welcome, my friends.
2: Hi, Jason. Hi, thanks for having us.
0: I'm thrilled to have you, and I met Sophia a while back via email because you sent me a note. After I read it, I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to these two. Uh, <laughs> and this is going to be really interesting because... We're going to talk to you guys now before your trip, and we'll get into that. And then we're going to talk to you like a few months from now when you're already into your trip so we can really get the reality of it, you know, and the expectations and where they met and everything like that. So, you know, you wrote in your email, you said the ensuing transition from I think I want to travel and Instead, to a lifestyle that facilitates that travel has been, and you used a bunch of adjectives: daunting, liberating, frustrating, exhilarating, grueling. Uh, nothing short of an adventure in itself. Making the decision to go from zero to travel is nothing if not a bet you place on yourself. What pushed you over the edge to bet on yourself in this way?
3: I, I and I've also put this in the email that at the time that we sort of decided initially to travel we both worked like all the time. I mean, we, we lived together and we really never saw each other because I I was a personal trainer at the time. So I woke up at like 5am I was gone. T was a prosecutor. So he's gone, you know, until late at night, sometimes if he had a trial. Um, and I think we just realized that we were kind of unhappy (laughs) and, uh, that there's got, there's just had to be something else.
1: Yeah, it, it felt to me kind of like did the thing you're supposed to do, you go to school, you get a grown-up job, and now you're doing that grown-up job, and you're you get about a year into it, and you're like, wait a second, this isn't this isn't quite what I thought it would be, this isn't really what I want to do with my life, and I'm not ready to do the whole mortgage, lifetime in debt, you know, anchored down workaholic kind of thing, that the path that we were sort of on. And it'd been something we'd been talking about sort of casually. Like, like people do, you know, everyone's always like, oh, someday I'll travel, someday. And that's, everyone says that. And so it went from us being those people to being like, this is kind of miserable. We don't like this. We don't like this. <laughs> let's let's travel. And then from there, it just sort of slowly grew. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophia did most of the research, and we realized it was something we actually could do. I think a sort of watershed moment for us, though, was um, Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. We both read that, and we have the audio book, and we just sort of listened to that.
3: I would listen to that book on my ride at 530 a.m., my half hour drive to the gym that I worked at that I was so unhappy at and listen to the stories of travel and travel quotes. And um, it was before I'd gotten into podcasts. So, I I, I mean, you just get a sense that, like, there's there's something else out there.
0: Yeah. And so that's that's it. When are you guys leaving? Because just to put some context around this, because we're talking to you like a couple weeks before you leave.
3: Yep. So we actually leave the city that we're in right now, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, in six days. Six Um, days. Yeah. So we're kind of in that final mad rush
2: of
3: (laughs) selling, like taking stuff to savers and Craigslisting it. and, uh, And then we leave the country on November 9th.
0: But when you guys made the original decision, how long ago was that?
3: I, uh, it was in July of 2015. Okay.
0: And we're recording right now. It's October, 2016, October 24th, 2016 is when we're recording this.
3: And originally when we had, because when we first talked about travel, I think Teague was a little bit less on board than I was. I knew that we were going to do it. Like we're going, there's no question, but he, you know, had gone to law school and, um, I think he was kind of like, well, you know, and I think we had a conversation where Teek's like, well, if we waited until, you know, if we waited two years, think of how much money we could save. Right. And I said, no, one year.
2: <laughs>
3: and he's like, oh, but, you know, we could. And All oh, right. One year in like two months. Yeah. That's And that's the compromise that we laid. Well, and then on. I
1: started doing some of the reading and realizing how possible that was. I just before you, you know, if you don't know anything about any of this stuff, it just seems so daunting and so impossible. The idea that you could go on the amount of money we're talking about going on just seemed crazy to me. And now that I know that that's a lot more possible. It's just, it was a pretty, I don't know if you, you don't really talk me into it. Cause it's one of those things that I talked about doing, but didn't ever make concrete plans for. Mm-hmm. And Sophia was kind of the catalyst that helped me make concrete
0: plans. The story she told in the email was one of the things that got me about what you guys can tell you were exhausted on the porch in in the middle of the summer one day and you guys would come home from work and kick it with a beer there and tell (laughs) me, tell me about the conversations that took place on the porch that summer.
3: We'd come home from work. It was like the sun was setting. It was like a Friday or something. And we had our beer and we're both just sort of talking about our work weeks and how tired we are. And I think I said like, you know, I hope we travel someday. And he goes, yeah, you know, people do that. There's uh, I think there's some people who do that in the world, which now seems ridiculous because we know that there are so many people who do it and it's not really as fringe as we thought. Um, And I said, well, you know, maybe I want to go to Europe uh, for like three months next summer. And Teek's like, well, I want to go to Europe. And I was like, well, that's not going to work because you have a job. How are you going to get time off? And he goes, well, I'd quit my job, but we'd have to go for like a year. And that was, that was the moment where I was like, oh Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's do that. That's way better than what I had planned. That's,
0: that's, Forget this sort of temporary three-month trip situation. <laughs> yeah. But
3: why would anybody do that when, yeah, we can just go for a year or two? And, and I'm grateful to him because I never would have maybe had the courage to come up with that plan on my own. So I think having someone to kind of like give you a more ambitious perspective can be really, uh, why why do I have to just go for three months? I can I can go for a year. Yeah, totally.
1: And I think in a lot of ways we kind of perfect stormed each other where we were the right people at the right time. And we both kind of came up with the plan Mm. that neither one of us would probably be brave enough to do on our own.
0: (laughs) That's cool that you guys have each other for, uh, support in that way. That says a lot about your relationship together. So you mentioned earlier, Teague, adult jobs, I think was the term you used. How long have you guys had your adult jobs, as we'll call them? (laughs) Um,
1: I graduated law school in December of 2014 here in New Mexico. Uh, I took the bar in February. And in April, I started working at the DA's office. Um, And so I was there about 18 months it's one of those things, you know. Now that I've had some a little bit of distance, I'm two weeks into my unemployment. <laughs> First
2: employment. week was fun employment,
1: rough. fun employment, <laughs> fun, fun employment. Um, I guess I'm just starting my second week. Yeah. Today is the beginning of. Normally at this time, I'd be sitting in a courtroom right now. This and is way better. This is way better. <laughs> um, I don't have to wear a tie for
0: this. So. <laughs> uh, but no I there, dress code for this podcast. No, that's yeah, that's no. true.
3: It would have been great if we had, though. <laughs> yeah, I should have dressed up.
0: I feel underdressed.
1: Uh, but I had a, my grown-up job for about eighteen months. It's one of those jobs at a law school a lot of people do because it just they toss you right in. You're doing an insane amount of work. You get you rack up experience really fast, and it kind of burns you out. You deal with some really horrific stuff. I enjoyed it. I got to do a lot of trials. All the cool lawyer stuff people think about when they think of lawyers. I that's what I got to do, um, and it was a lot of fun. But it definitely it wears on you. So it's been about eighteen months, and I'm ready to kind of switch gears and a th- little
3: bit. I think also we both had the sense. So we're Teague's about to be twenty nine. I'm twenty seven. Uh, we're creeping towards our thirties, and I think we we had this sense of like, well, we're getting we're getting older now. Like we gotta got to get those jobs, got to, yeah. got to probably, you know, get married and, and have a house and get some cars and all
0: those things you're supposed to do for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, it's,
3: it's like going to Europe for three, like, well, oh yeah, like I, I don't have to do that. I can do a different thing and that's totally fine too. So I think that, that like his career path was from a time, you know, a year and a half ago when we thought like, that's what we had to do is we had to, Sort of do the
0: conventional thing, but it's hard because you're you're both invested in in different ways. I mean, Sophia, like I'm sure in your career, you're in, you're invested in in some way, whether it's your clients or like just the time you've put in to to build up whatever it is that you have. And Teague, you know, you went to law school, which is a huge expense. What do you think about the idea of um, kind of hitting reset and and cutting the cord on? what you've done to this point is that has that been difficult like emotionally
1: you know not really um because i i think it's likely i'll go back at some point uh, the type of job i had is sort of a first job at a school that a lot of people do and people tend to stay there a year maybe two years uh and then they move on so it was about time for me to go anyway so i'm sort of looking at this as one option is sort of a gap here, that if we go and have a year and we want to come home, then I can, I can very easily pick it right back up. If we go out and we come across some crazy opportunity and I never come back, which is what I'm kind of hoping for, um, then that's fine too. And you know, no harm, no foul. It was a ton of work. I invested a lot in it. I, for, I'm, I fortunately don't have any debt, which is a big deal. That would be impossible to travel with. Um, but yeah, I don't feel that bad about letting it go for a while. I kind of miss, who I was before I got into all that. And I'm getting to sort of become that person a little bit more again.
3: I've got a lot to say about this because this is definitely one of those transition things that no one tells you about. I was supposed to be unemployed by the time we recorded this podcast. I have struggled with putting in my notice.
0: She waited until the last like, I, I, I
3: waited until the last day. <laughs> Why is that because like, you wanted
0: to make uh, extra income or because you just didn't want to like sort of face that music.
3: Uh, You know, I think it's a – and it's it's one of the things that you never hear about um, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, I quit my job and I traveled. But that – I think it's facing the music. You know, I'm about to be unemployed my whole life. My self-worth is on my ability to to bring in an income and and be that adult. And so I have really um, struggled with going to my boss and saying, "Uh, you know, I'm going to quit to be unemployed and travel to – Asia and Europe for a year. (laughs) It really was terrifying. Have you done it yet? I did. I did do it. Oh, because I had to, because we have, we have plane tickets.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what did, (laughs) what did the conversation go like compared to what maybe you thought how it was going to go?
3: I kind of thought that there would be some pushback or that maybe they wouldn't believe me. And so I went and I said, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. And they said, well, why? And I said, well, I'm going to go travel and, and all my bosses were like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. So they that like,
0: actually, amazing. it was well received. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> well, and,
3: and the other employees who were like, Oh, well, what are you going to do for money? What do you do? And my boss like defended mm-hmm. me. She was like, Oh, I'm sure she saved. And when she comes back, she can just get a fresh start. Like, that sounds great. Great. Do that. And I was shocked. I'm judging me more than my employers are they're, they, they're like, go be free. And I'm like, but don't you need me?
0: (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, like, yeah, you brought up a good point about, um, I I think that can be one of the big struggles is having so much invested in terms of your identity to, to what you do. You know, It, it feels like, okay, well, if I'm not doing this thing, then, like who am, I, am I? I who am i yeah, well, you know
1: that, w- that was my last week first couple of days of last week i just sort of wandered around the house like <laughs> freaking out about cleaning and packing just because of, like <laughs> yeah. who am i who am i i'm this person like just his, wandering around his not getting second anything done. day of
3: unemployment was a really rough day for us yeah, uh, as out. individuals and as a couple because <laughs> he was very uh i think a little panicked
1: it was yeah it was a little panicky just because i i don't I don't think of myself as like, I'm a lawyer. I would like, I haven't lived my whole life wanting to be a lawyer. It's just something I ended up doing and I enjoy it, but I didn't ever intend for that to just be who I am. But in the course of that kind of work, it just sort of absorbs you and you don't even realize it. And suddenly when that's not there and you're suddenly having to be a person outside of that, Mm. um, it's just like, Whoa, it's been like a year since I saw myself in the mirror Mm -hmm. and had like an honest conversation with myself. Mm. So it was a little, it was frightening. And how did that conversation go? Um, It was me working on calming myself down and trying to accept that it's a process that um, it's going to take a while for me, I think, to fully go back to... I don't want to go completely back to who I was before all this, but I want to take those parts of me that law school and working as a lawyer killed or at least like really beat down. And those parts of me I liked, I want to kind of grow back. And I think it's going to be a bit of a... A process So that conversation was sort of realizing that that's going to take a while. And that's great. I mean, I got time. There's no there's no rush.
3: I think maybe that's the other thing we didn't anticipate is that you think of it as like you make the decision to travel and then you travel. And it's there's like a weird in between space where you're really wrestling with uh, what what that actually
0: means. Well, this is why these stories are so great because there there are all these steps, and everybody's got their own journey. I know you mentioned uh, in the email just how much value you know you see in this journey, and, and I feel the same way. That's why I like to share them. Look, Teague, like you can say, you know, you hadn't had an honest conversation with yourself, and all this time, and and if you know that's the only thing that came out of this, even over the last couple of weeks, it was probably worth it, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. We're staying. We figured it out. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also, like, I think people associate the trip with, like, oh, this is going to be this journey of, like, self-discovery and a new chapter and all this thing. Because it's 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 such a physical barrier, too. Like, you, like, leave the country, say, and you show up in a new place, and you're like, okay. It, it is almost like hitting the reset button. Like, you're literally in a new surrounding. You're in a different place. And, and you're like, okay, we can start fresh and figure stuff out. But, like, what gets lost is, like, how much stuff I think you figure out leading up to that.
3: Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Definitely. Yeah. And
1: I felt that a lot in like getting my big task since I've been unemployed is to like wrap up getting rid of all the stuff I haven't gotten rid of.
3: I had a car that I was in debt for. Oh, man, that was a I loved my car, Jason. I loved, <laughs> I loved it. I still love it. Yeah, it was a little little Honda fit. Whenever I see one go by, I'm like,
0: oh. I just sold my car too. I felt the same way about it. It was a Honda element. Yeah. So I mean, what are some of the things that you guys are excited about? exploring i mean you mentioned okay i want to you know like teague you said uh, i want to get back to maybe some of the things that like my my education as a lawyer killed like which sounds so like hard. (laughs) but you're just being honest i mean and it is kind of sad in a way like but like also happy because now you get to get to explore those things but what are some of those things for both of you
3: well, I know for Teague, and he's already started on it, is he – we met in film school, if you can believe that.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: We went to film school together, and uh, both kind of ended up taking very different routes because I think it's that pressure again of, like, we're artists, but there's no money in art. So we, we took these sort of different routes, and Teague's a very talented writer, um, I know, from from film school –
1: And and that's part of what I – I want to get back to reading and writing. It's one of the reasons I'm so excited to go to see all the great stuff and and visit all these places and really be challenged and stressed by being in new environments. But a big part of what excites me about going is getting to read again. I haven't been able to read for pleasure in almost four years, and it's been – it that's been an also a very tough transition and so i'm very excited to get to read again and to get to write again because that that's part of that that part of me that got killed by law school when you spend all day reading you can't go home and read for pleasure it just trains your brain to to read in a lawyerly way which is not how you should read novels so (laughs) that's that's one of the things i'm really excited to do um it's like a simple to, thing
3: like that, like get the opportunity to get to like sit down and read a book.
1: It's, yeah. Where today I have to catch a train in eight hours. And in the meantime, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to read. I'm going to write a little bit. Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting into, yeah, we're both super physical um, and both, I mean, before the transition sort of started, we both are at the gym six days a week. And uh, so now we're both kind of trying to figure out how to keep, Physical, while also not having a gym, and so I'm excited to kind of figure that out and maybe get into yoga. I started doing handstands and inversions and gymnastics, and um, I'm looking forward to having the time to kind of play with that and, and learn. Yeah, learn movement all over again. And that that sounds really lame unless you're a personal trainer, but uh, <laughs> no, but yeah.
0: it's, it's an important thing. I mean, especially so. You guys sounds like your plan is you're kind of mindset wise you've set aside like a year basically mm-hmm. and you have money saved up for a year i'm guessing of travel we
3: budgeted um budgeted for a year and and maybe it'll maybe maybe we'll not make it the full year maybe we'll make it longer uh but we have a budget per month and and based on that budget holding true we have about a year yeah
0: what is the budget that you guys have per month
3: we have if we lived uh, especially in Southeast Asia, really generously, we have a thousand dollars a month per person. And so we managed to save that. And people always trip out when I tell them this, but we, we saved that in a year. I mean, we didn't have that savings until the day we decided we wanted to go do this. So for people who think they can't afford to travel, you, you can, you definitely can, because, uh, we, we started putting money in the bank that day that we, or that month that we decided. And, and just in a year we managed to save, you know, almost you know twenty five thousand um, dollars yeah between or more than that really because we also have a nest egg for mm-hmm. when we come back but um so yeah so we have a year budgeted
0: also I mean of course you know you're not going to be paying for accommodations back at home. And I mean, you're cutting all these costs. Like if you said you were commuting a half hour to work every day, I mean, you could take your gas money that goes right into the travel fund. I mean, all these, I call them substitution costs, but they're essentially costs that you would be incurring at home that you just take on the road with you. It's, it's, it doesn't, there's no difference. You got to eat at home or you got to eat on the road. And oftentimes, you know, I would, I would probably choose the, uh, 50 cent plate <laughs> of bad thai in thailand you know yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness yes we're, we're so excited we're very
1: very excited for that that's another thing we're ready for the food
2: we're so, we're so ready, ready for, for the food.
0: food so ready for the food yeah how are you going to travel are you going to just travel for travel's sake i mean you mentioned reading exploring some of these things are you guys planning to try to pick up some work at some point or is it just going to be literally just to experience the world
3: so our plan, um, and again, this kind of brings it back to that book of vagabonding, is to travel um, as light and lean as possible. So we're each taking, don't laugh at us if this is like totally ridiculous, but we're each taking 28 liter backpacks for the year and one pair of shoes. And um, so that's sort of a ground rule is that we're, we don't want to crew any more stuff. Um, and that, I think we do want to work, work away. I've listened to your podcasts on, on all that and, uh, and all the resources that there are to sort of do work exchange programs. I think we're interested, we're workaholics. So I think we're going to want to have exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and it sounds like a really good way to integrate into the community. And, uh, so those are sort of doing some work, but as to how we're going to travel, You know, tight budget, trying not to live like we do at home where, you know, on the weekends here we go and we, you know, we drink beer and we try to escape our lives. We're hoping that on the road, we won't need to escape our lives (laughs) on the road. We'll get to uh, we'll want to be sober for every minute. We'll want to be, you know, rested and bright eyed and
0: bushy tailed every day. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway and enjoy the ride. Along the way, learn more at nissanusa.com. The getting rid of your stuff. The whole getting rid of your stuff process. How's that been for you guys?
1: It's been it's been stressful in that I'm worried I'm not going to get it done in time, but it's been really cathartic to actually get rid of the stuff.
3: I highly recommend to anybody get rid of your stuff.
1: It's just yeah, just take it out, take it to go donate it to Goodwill or whatever. Even if you're not traveling. It just feels so good. And like I I'm kind of a pack rat. I have I have the last big thing I have to get rid of is about three or four full sets of darkroom equipment. I was a photographer and, in college, and I kept everything, and I kept people kept giving it to me, and I had a whole giant closet full of old enlargers and um, chemicals and just everything. And I'm so excited to to leave that behind because that stuff weighs on you hmm. when you when you have stuff and when you don't have time to do we it. Never I, mean, it. I never use it. I used it since I moved to Albuquerque five years ago. I think I've used it three times. And I've carried it around everywhere I've gone, and I feel guilty for not using it. So getting rid of stuff has just been a delight. The actual process is kind of rough. Like I've been getting scammed on eBay and stuff, people trying to get me to ship them electronics without paying for it. It's stressful. The the nuts and bolts are rough, but the actual act of, of doing it, you realize how little you need.
3: I have taken out, I kid you not trash bags of clothes, Jason, just like bags upon bags of of things that I've never worn that I've carried from place to place that I'm like, where is this pink shirt that I've never taken the tags off of? Why (laughs) do I have that? So, it's been kind of eye-opening too about the type of person that you are. Like, we know now at the end of this transition that I have a shopping problem. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: knew that before, but, but now you know it. Now too.
3: I know it, and yeah, that, that <laughs>
0: makes all the difference. <laughs> yeah,
3: knowing this happened, and 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 really kind of examining, like, well, why do I keep buying things? Like, what is it that I'm trying to get out of? Purchasing more things that then I bring home and I never touch or look at or wear, and and then I get rid of them and they don't mean anything to me. What is so that's been some that's been an interesting part of the transition, too. To kind of evaluate,
1: even if something were to go wrong and like for some terrible reason we couldn't go, uh, still just the act of downsizing to the level we've done it has Mm -hmm. been really good for us. And I wouldn't, I would really fight hard to keep it that way. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to accumulate stuff. Um, it's just so, so easy to do and you don't notice it and it's bit by bit until you have truckloads of darkroom equipment that you haven't touched in years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like once you go through it, when you do a big purge or you just get rid of a bunch of stuff, you, you do get that good feeling, you know, especially if it's associated with going to travel. And I think that good feeling stays, stays with you. So if you go through this transition one time, you know, you know, it feels good to get rid of your stuff. So then in the future, it's like that becomes something that you associate with feeling good. And I found that to be the case in my life as well, like to the point where, like, I feel really bad when I buy things. I'm like, do I, I'm (laughs) really, I'm really critical about like what I bring in to my apartment now because I'm, I'm living overseas now and it's like, uh. I have to get stuff and I find myself like, I'm like, uh, but I don't want to get stuff. And I'm like, but wait a minute, I'm not traveling right now. Like we do need some of these things. I'm like, that's such a conundrum. During a transition to like a new lifestyle of travel, you just have to let go of so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your absolutely. Ca- Like your career, which might be like your identity, actual physical things. There's like mental things you have to let go of. You have to adapt to like a whole new life together like you guys as a couple like your whole dynamic changes now right (laughs) well how do you feel about that
3: uh, i i'm really glad that um we're going together because i think that and and i don't know solo traveling also sounds amazing but i feel grateful because i feel like i'm like the free spirit who's like let's go do this thing which is great because it gets teague to kind of break out of his routine i'm
1: the grumpy old man but he, she's a free i'm the grump and together we we sort of hit a good middle road that keeps but us both safe and he but
3: is so amazing in that anytime we leave the house just even to like go to the grocery store jason he'll be like okay phone wallet keys do you have your wallet? Do you have your ID? Like we'll just be going down the street to the bar and he'll be like, okay, do you have your wallet?
0: Those are important things. <laughs> are important things. He's,
3: he's great because I, I never lose anything. We have gone to the bar multiple times and I don't have my wallet. Yep. I can't get in because I left it at home because I didn't phone wallet keys it.
0: But there you so go. You I got think, your own personal reminder. Uh, oh yeah. I'm very
3: there. excited for <laughs> that. I, I think that's going to be really positive. I
0: mean, our dynamic I'm sure will shift. Um, I mean, obviously it's going
1: to, we're going to be in bizarre environments and um, dealing with each other. Like when we have like terrible digestive issues will probably be kind of fun (laughs) to to go through. I mean, we've sort of done that with training wheels a bit. We've been living together for how long? Two years.
3: And we moved into, in sort of getting ready to travel in this transition, we moved from, we had like a basement apartment, which was huge into a Room into a closet because a it's closet. cheap and we're saving money that shares a wall with the bathroom that five other people use
0: right again you're downsizing everything including <laughs> yeah including your living quarters
3: <laughs> and that stress.
1: that was one of those things we we're kind of worried like it, it doesn't just share a wall there's literally a door we live in a very <laughs> old house that's been like redone many times and so there's a door that if you're sitting on the toilet, you're looking right at the door that goes right into our bedroom.
3: Because <laughs> it's not actually a bedroom. Because yeah, it's,
1: like it's, it's like a closet. It's
3: like a Harry Potter closet. And we thought that
1: would be tough, but it actually, yeah, <laughs> it actually hasn't been that bad. And I think yeah. that bodes well, that we can kind of live in uncomfortable comfortable spaces. And that, yeah. that'll be nothing compared to who knows what we'll experience on the road. But I think we have like the groundwork laid to deal with those kinds of things as they come up. And it won't be super shocking. So
3: and I think our dynamic it's, will shift. But it's, it's because be, of the transition. It's because we've been very conscious about, you know, yeah. it, I, I imagine if we had just gone from like, okay, well, we'll deal with travel when it gets here. Boom, we'd be shell shocked. But I think because we've spent the last year and some months, the whole thing's been a transition. And we spent that time preparing slowly. And And I highly recommend that to anybody who wants to travel, like take that time for yourself to, to work through the process and, um, do what you have to do to get to a good place.
0: How do you guys feel about the timeframe that it took you for this transition? Because it looks like it's about a year and three months since you made the decision. Obviously for everybody, it's going to be different depending on your financial situation and circumstances and how quickly you can save. Do you feel that that was the right amount of time for you?
3: I think it actually worked out perfectly because at the time that we decided to go and and probably people who are thinking about it can relate. Like I was just so unhappy (laughs) with that. Like for me, if I could have gone that next month, I would have. And I'm glad I didn't because I needed that time. And I think if it were Teague, he would have maybe stayed longer. Um, And so we sort of split the difference yeah. Um. And the, and the year has, I think, been perfect. And I guess, of course, yeah, it depends on how fast people can save. But it's been the right amount of time where we've been able to stay excited about it, but also be productive.
1: Yeah. And a lot of the stuff has just taken us time because, I mean, everyone's busy and we're no exception that we have a, a lot of other things that take up your time. So it takes a long time to get some of this travel related stuff done. I mean, if we had a closer deadline, we probably would have met it. Um, but it feels like about the right time.
3: It feels like it's, time. and
1: it's go. hard to say how much of that is like when you set a time and then you have that finish line, you're going to cross, you're going to finish that cross the finish line right as you're yeah, like, you're yeah. going <laughs> to barely like fall across it. Like, we made it whether that, so, um, but yeah, I feel like it's about the right amount of time for us.
0: Yeah. How has it been so far slowing down and getting out of that mindset of like, Oh, I need to be doing something. I need to be productive right now. Are you finding it hard or is it, is it starting to level out a little bit?
3: It's been really tough. <laughs>
1: that's That's been the part that this last month has just been really, really difficult, harder than we thought, because we have to, part of it is we still have like a ton of stuff to do. So it's hard to get out of the mindset when you've got like hard deadlines. Yeah. Um,
3: Tim Ferriss has this really great quote um, that says, uh, being busy can be a form of laziness. And I think that that, that really applies to us because we're, you know, when you're busy, you, you're not thinking, you don't, you don't have to think much. You just go, 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 go. And so now that we're slowing down, we really have to sort of put some thought into what our day will be. Yeah. And how to, you know, how we really, what's the best way to spend the time. And and that's been tough. That has been
1: tough. I think that's going to be a difficult... Because we haven't had to fully do it yet, because we still like have I have a long list of things that have to happen. So I get to indulge my workaholism a little bit more. I just get to like stress out about stuff and and get it done. Um, but I think that will be really tough. And I, I don't know if it'll hit before we leave or not.
0: Do you still feel like there's some lingering stress from the jobs? And
3: wait, I'm still employed when I'm not supposed to be. So yeah, the job yeah. the job has really gotten its claws into me. I think that it's going to take a second and I didn't anticipate that. I guess when you think about, you know, you get the opportunity to quit your job. You think you like quit it and you wash wash your hands of it and you walk out and you're a changed person. And uh, that really has not been the case, though. I suspect that's probably kind of normal. Um, yeah,
1: I can say and I'm only on day six of being unemployed, so I don't have like a ton of reference, but it definitely does take time. And I can tell like how I feel today compared it's to last Tuesday than, yeah. was just, I feel much more like a regular human being yeah. and I'm able to sort of distance from that work mm-hmm. stuff a bit more, but that's going to take a while for me. I think yeah. it's going to take a while to
3: like see people as, is that normal people, Jason? You know? Is that what yeah, do is you that see that, that a lot?
0: <laughs> what do you mean the stress part or
3: <laughs> yeah? Like the inability to sort of, or the like struggle with letting go. Yes, of.
0: I, th- I think so. I mean, if you look at it psychologically, I would say it's like, you know, you're in all these habits and work routines. And then all of a sudden, like, all that just drops off. And you're like, "Um, okay, how do I be in this space now? (laughs) Kind of, you know, Teague, it sounds like you had a big, you know, that big moment, two days into it, where you were like, you know, oh, my God, like, what's going on here? And uh, you got past it, because it's, what else are you going to do? You keep living. right? Yeah, exactly. Go
3: get your job back, I guess. (laughs) But it's a,
0: you know, yeah, it's not, you know, having the time now is not the worst problem in the world. I mean, we can, we can put this, file this under hashtag first world problems, right?
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: But at the same time, you know, that, that, that is still there, you know, and I was just curious how you guys are dealing with that.
3: Yeah. I'm excited to see when we check back in, you know, three or four or five months to see where we've, gotten to yeah because we it's so it's so uncertain and i really have even more of an appreciation for people who've done this before us um including you jason um who have made the leap you you know it's a bet you place on yourself you're betting that you're going to be okay and you don't know for sure but you're betting that you're going to be able to navigate and make it and
0: uh you guys will be you guys will be great Oh yeah <laughs> we'll we'll hear it in the next segment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Three or four months later whenever we record this. Yes. where are you guys going? So
3: we are flying into Bangkok thailand We have about two weeks planned in the city and uh, by which I mean we have lodging. and from there we made a very specific effort to not book anything beyond that because we don't. Part of doing this is that we wanna get out of the preset, you know, the the routine and the this is the plan. We wanna go, we wanna listen, we wanna to talk to people, we wanna, you know, figure out what we actually want to do and then leave Bangkok from there and go wherever it is we
0: feel like we need to go. You're headed to Southeast Asia and just hanging out in that region for as long as Until you, as it gets you too do. hot.
3: <laughs> yeah, and then I think we'll probably go to India and then um I have a have it on my bucket list that I really want to go to Sofia, Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll probably go hit up <laughs> I know. Yeah. Eastern Europe. I'm going to point every sign that says Sofia. There's gonna be so many pictures of her oh pointing at signs <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, maybe we'll run into you guys somewhere because I, I want to do some more traveling in Eastern Europe pretty pretty soon. Actually, what are you most looking forward to?
3: I think I'm looking forward to. Uh, and this is something that I didn't realize I was looking forward to until we started that transition is I'm looking forward to not owning anything. Like I said, we're I, my back is my backpack is 28 liters. I will have, I have a very specific wardrobe that I've put together in this time that I've done a lot of research on. I own that some travel gear and that's it. That's all I have to worry about. Everything I own in the world, I can fit on my, in my backpack and carry on my back. And uh, gosh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm really uh, looking forward to the sense of freedom that I think it's going to give us mm-hmm. that, that we have chosen to travel in that way where we don't want to plan things out too far in mm-hmm. advance, where we can sort of say, like, do you want to stay here for another week? Yeah. Because we want to we be, we're planning on going at, like, a slow pace. Like, we're not trying to see the whole world in one swoop. We want to go nice and slow. And I want to have that freedom that if suddenly we're like, you know, I I, I ran into a guy and he said that, like. Nepal is great this time of year we should go to Nepal like you know why not let's go to Nepal like that kind of freedom to to go out and see the rest of the world and and be able to put ourselves in more of a a, a global context I mean we haven't traveled across I mean off the continent ever and we haven't had a lot of experience with vastly different other cultures so I'm excited to have the freedom to sort of go get a wider cultural context that we live in and sort of appreciate how other people live
0: Are you nervous? Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Are Are you not nervous? is it just me?
1: I'm nervous in the sense that like we got a lot of stuff to take care of and I know like there's going to be uncomfortable, painful things, but I'm also pretty confident in our ability to to cope with that and figure it out as we go. So I wouldn't really say I'm, I'm nervous.
3: It's sort of the nervousness right before,
0: uh, you know. An exciting nervousness.
3: Yeah. Before you jump. Yeah. You know, or before you're, you're you're going up the roller coaster and you get to the top and you're like, oh my gosh! And, but you're you're nervous because it's going to be crazy, but you're excited because it's going to be really
0: uh, and, and fun. Friends and, and family, are they on board with this? Or they are. The, yeah. I mean, cool. we've
3: we've been really really lucky. I uh I told my mom; she was the first person to know, and then we slowly told. <laughs> Teague's family, in that, like, hey, yeah, we're thinking about taking a trip at some point to somewhere we, for you know, like a little bit. Are they more conservative?
0: I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Where are you from, Teague?
1: teague? Uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, about three hours south of Albuquerque on the border. His brother just
3: had a baby, though, so we're like, we're we're like, yeah, we just snuck in behind (laughs) the baby and we're like, we're leaving for
1: Yeah. (laughs) So they're really supportive, I think my parents are That's more funny. much more nervous than Sophia's mom is, but um they were they were really supportive um, yeah, they I, I got a really hand to my parents because i I did pick like a very conservative and traditional career path, and I'm sort of you know just around the first bend like jumping the track and doing something completely yeah. different.
3: We didn't know how they would react,
1: yeah, we weren't really sure, but um we did do like the kind of slow like
3: Thing. That's what and I would I recommend. Think that to anybody. Uh, so we
1: didn't like shock them. I'd yeah. hate for my mom to have a yeah. heart attack or something.
3: Caroline's been fantastic. The, yeah. She bought us she bought us a, uh, how to travel Southeast Asia on a shoestring. And uh, oh my gosh. And it just like made me cry because it was sort of the the moment where you could just see it in, in her face that she was like, Yeah, go do this thing. Like this is amazing and here's my blessing. And um That always stands out to me.
1: And in terms of friends, everyone's been really supportive. I I got a lot of support from my work friends, which I was kind of worried about. Um, but every like grizzled old attorney that's been doing this for like 40 years when they found out what I was doing, every single one is like, good, go, go do that. Do it now.
2: Like, <laughs> get out, get out, get out. <laughs>
1: like every single one. And so really like, I was like, clearly like, clearly I mean, you're making
0: the right decision. Yeah. Like, you don't need it validated, but it is nice when it gets validated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. and I love how Sophia says you're writing the, uh, the brothers' baby wave. That's that's, that's, that's baby. how Come it on. goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, congratulations to both of you, uh, Sophie. I really appreciate you taking the time to reach out in the first place. Teague, it's great to meet you as well, and I'm um, really excited for you guys because you're going off on this thing, and I love that you know, you haven't waited till like you are that 40 year old grizzly attorney or that, you know, 40 year old grizzly personal trainer that's getting bitter. And you're like, oh man, like we could have done this. No, we didn't. Whatever. Like, I mean, and if you're listening to this and you are, you know, later on and at that point or whatever, that's, that's okay. Like there's never a time where you can't do it. You know, I think that's, that's the message behind, uh, these types of transitions is, is just, you know, taking the steps to do it, saving up the money, taking the steps you need um, and getting rid of your stuff and all the the laundry list of things to do. And eventually over time you get there and then you're all of a sudden you're six days before your trip. Right. Oh, yeah. If I
3: can say one thing to like me a year and three months ago and to like anybody who's listening to this. I think it's super important. You're going to feel fear like you're going to feel afraid. Do it anyway. Just do it. Just recognize that it's normal and and there will be parts of it that are stressful and that's okay because that's life. Um, do it anyway.
0: Cool. <laughs> yeah well that's that's a great thing to end on, I think. and um, we look forward to hearing from your future selves. <laughs> Yeah, Me too. Yeah, I wonder where we'll
1: be. If you're listening, then it's going to be like in 30 seconds. He'll have dreadlocks. He'll be like
0: former lawyer turned yeah. like super,
3: super vagabond.
0: I'm so excited for this. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I'm like you said in the email, Sophia, there's so much value in it the stages like you, what did you say? The, the stages of travel preparation, the transition can be just as valuable and daunting as the travel itself. And I guess we'll have to ask your future selves to find out if that's yeah. totally <laughs> true.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that. No, no, it's obvious. I had no idea yes. what I was talking no, about. No, <laughs> but I think, I think
0: it is. I mean, it, it's, it is part of the journey. It's like the journey before the journey is so huge. So congrats to you guys for, for doing it. You're getting out there and I'm um, looking forward to chatting with you in uh I don't know when we're going to talk. Three or four months from now, when you guys are really dug in, you like, you know, after the sort of the vacation wave is over, and like yeah, maybe yeah. you mellowed into the trip a little bit, and then when you have good Wi-Fi, of course, because you definitely knows where going to be. Well, but, you um... <laughs> have my contact information, so <laughs> sounds good. And we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you guys soon. And thanks again for your time. Thank yeah, you.
3: Absolutely. Talk to you later. Cheers. Bye.
0: There you go. You just heard the lead up to this trip. Now, let's jump into Time Machine over a year later after they've been around the world and hear what they're up to, where they're at, where they've been, how it turned out for them, what they thought about the long-term travel lifestyle, what they learned along the way. They're going to share their top lessons with you and so much more. We're going to get into part two, recorded over a year later, right now. Please enjoy Here we are, mere seconds later, but a lot of time has passed. We've gone through some kind of time warp here, and I have on the line one year and almost four months later, Sophia and Teague. How are you guys doing?
2: Hi. Hello. We're
3: doing good.
0: <laughs> Whoa, this is trippy. Yeah. No, This is crazy. I've been wanting to do you this. sound for...
3: older and wiser?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been over a year and four months, like... We recorded last October fourth, twenty sixteen, and now it is yeah February twenty eighteen. So one year, almost four months. Does it seem like that much time has passed? Like
3: it seems like uh, many lifetimes have <laughs> passed in that time. It's I I was we were emailing about this earlier that I think the last time that we interviewed Teague was getting ready to quit his job or you had just quit your job
1: well let's see if it was october 4th i think i had given notice but i had because my last day was the 12th or the 15th or something like that so i was at the very end of my job
3: and he actually is starting work tomorrow
0: Whoa. so we've come full
3: circle yeah, yeah. you guys are very back short amount of time y- you're yeah. back
0: home okay all right so yeah because when we spoke teague you, you were two weeks into your unemployment we called it fun employment because you're ramping up and you guys were six days away from leaving on your journey and actually the last thing you said at the end of the last interview teague was um i wonder where we'll be and (laughs) you guys are (laughs) are back but you've had a lot of adventures between that time so um you
3: can come home again
0: (laughs) well we're gonna get into the coming home thing because i have a lot of questions about that but where have you guys been in the last year plus
3: oh man. Okay, we'll do the SparkNotes version first, and then we can slow it down. We did a year almost exactly on the road, leaving to Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia, India, Nepal.
1: For a month each.
3: For a month each, we did those countries. And then we decided to, not because we were mad at each other, but because we just wanted to split up for a little bit, and we both kind of wanted to go different places, do different things. For six weeks, we split up Antigua Motorcycled Vietnam. And end and went and trained Muay Thai in Thailand. I left and went to go to London, Belgium, Portugal, and Spain uh, because that sounded more fun to me. <laughs> and then we re met again in Paris, France. And then we how romantic, tra- yeah! yeah. Well,
1: we we got engaged in Paris.
3: Yeah. What? <laughs>
2: <Whoa!
0: Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm getting the chills now. The things that can happen on these trips. Okay. So, all right, keep giving us the overview, then we'll go backwards.
3: <laughs> There's so so many stories. Um, and then we went and we um, worked construction in Italy and went to Greece. And then we went and lived in Bulgaria for a month. And from there we went um, back to London, Ireland, Scotland, back to Portugal, back to France. And then we traveled America for a month. Well, in there so. we
1: also did the Czech Republic... Oh yeah, uh, Hungary and Germany yeah, so with my little sister. It's she, a really long my little year. sister, met with up with us for a few weeks, and we sort of zoomed through Europe um, somewhere in there before we went and lived in Bulgaria for a month and a half.
3: We went everywhere, Jason. <laughs> we went everywhere.
0: <laughs> Did you say you hitchhiked from Paris to Italy?
3: We hitchhiked in Italy. Uh, we hitchhiked oh, okay. around Italy. Um, we flew into Venice um, because you can get really good flights from Paris to Venice if you're willing to fly at 4 a.m which we were, um, but we ended up, uh, while we were there having some transportation issues, we had to get to a different city on a Sunday when the buses didn't run. And, um, the woman that we were staying with said, Oh, you're, you're uh, Americans. They'll get a kick out of it. Just take a sign, go stand by the road and somebody will pick you up. And we did that. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) sure enough we did we got, the, we, got yeah. we made it all the way to the coast
1: the police came and talked to us first and they at first we thought they were going to really give us a hard time but they seemed to get a kick out of it as well even though what we were doing i think was illegal yeah
3: it was illegal um,
1: <laughs> but they seemed to enjoy sort of intimidating us a little bit
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then uh, then yeah some some really nice people picked us up and we made it all the way down the mountain all the way to uh,
0: the coast yeah in Italy, so. you guys yeah. had you guys had a uh, like a somewhat Open plan. I know you had sort of your beginning plans and then it was a bit open. And I remember during the last interview, Teague, you said, you said kind of offhand, like, hey, if we run into a guy and he says, hey, Nepal's a great time of the year, then we can go. And we, can, <laughs> yeah. we look forward to having that sense of freedom. Well, you guys went to Nepal. I don't know if that's because you ran into a guy there or whatever, or, you know, said to go. But um, how did this trip evolve? Uh, was it totally organically? Like, how did you guys end up going the places you went and and we can get into highlights and stuff later because I have a lot of travel questions too but I really want to hear about your you know a little bit more about your time on the road but yeah how did this like trip unfold for you
1: okay so our process was pretty fluid we had uh and all the credit to the planning does go to Sophia she was the master of um, searching for flights and staying on top of all that but we had a really rough plan intentionally of spending about six months in Asia and then six months in Europe we often sort of decided on a whim where to go. Uh, for example, we knew we were. We bought our big ticket from LA to Bangkok months and months in advance to leave. Um, we got that really cheap. And then we did a month in Thailand, and that was pretty free form. Mm-hmm. We just sort of did what Went, we wherever. met people, yeah. they recommended going places. Um, we looked stuff up. And then uh, we. I don't even remember how we picked Cambodia no, next.
3: We, well, we were just. Um, we were still kind of enjoying Southeast Asian. We decided, you know, bus tickets to Cambodia were $20 or the equivalent of $20. And so we thought, okay, well, we'll go to Cambodia. And um, while we were there, we heard the islands were really great. We ended up on an island. We heard.
1: We worked on an island yeah, for a couple of weeks.
3: Um, and from there, like to Malaysia, it just happened I got online and looked for a cheap plane ticket and saw that plane tickets to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia were $25. So I turned to Teague and said, uh, do you want to go to Malaysia? And neither of us knew anything about it. We had never been there. We had never thought we would go there. And
1: yeah. We five just, minutes later, we bought. we bought the tickets. We did like three or four minutes worth of Googling to make <laughs> sure like, OK, we can get the visas. That's easy. Let's go there. And then yeah, we just bought tickets, so, so it was we did a, a lot
3: of like that. It
1: was very form. It was
3: a lot of like, well, our, our visas are ending. Um, kind of like throw, almost like throwing a dart at a yeah at a board, and like, oh, mine <laughs> will <she'll>
0: be good. <laughs> just keeping it open.
1: Yeah, yeah, just
3: keeping it open. And um,
1: once we got into Europe, it was a little more structured, yeah. just because it's more expensive. So we had to plan ahead. Um, like for example, we scheduled pretty far in advance our month in Scotland where we worked on a farm, um, in the North of Scotland for a month and that had to be set up fairly far in advance.
3: But sort of the joy of, of Southeast Asia is that, you know, it's all really accessible. It's, it's not scary. It's very, very like, you know, traveler friendly. There's a whole highway, a metaphorical highway and (laughs) and maybe literally a highway, um, (laughs) set up to make it so that you can travel around and go to these different places and, um, I mean, really, really easy to kind of decide on the fly where you wanted to go. So, it, Was it was, easier
0: than you thought it was going to be going into it? Oh, uh, so much easier. So
3: much easier than, I mean, I people would say like, oh, you're so brave for going to Southeast <laughs> Asia. And now that we've been, I can tell you, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I know people say that, but I mean, it, it was just uh, unbelievably accessible.
1: That's the thing I tell Whenever it comes up and people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that for a year. My my thing is like it's I, the thing I always tell them is that it's so much easier than you think. Like you know, the hardest part is being like brave enough to actually pull the yeah, trigger. But the actual planning of it and you know you can you it. can do it if you can use the internet and you can Google yeah. a little bit and plan just slightly ahead. Because we made like we uh, made a
3: lot of mistakes.
1: We made a lot of mistakes. We made a lot of really impromptu decisions, like going to Malaysia. We were just drinking margaritas on a beach <laughs> after having lived on this island without power for two weeks. And we're just kind of living it up and thinking, oh, what should we do next? And it really was just like, oh, yeah, Malaysia. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of that country.
3: <laughs> I was like, oh, my old roommate went to Malaysia once. I think she really liked it. Um, that's all I really know. Let's buy these tickets.
1: And it was one of our best experiences. We, we worked in a hostel for the better part of a month. Um, we made some really good friends, ate some of the best food in the world. Yeah. Um, and just, we, we met Jackie Chan in Malaysia. Really? <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. We tried to go to a movie and it turns out, uh, the movie was canceled and Jackie Chan was there.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's we so tried cool. to go see La La Land, um, because Malaysia is so fascinating because Kuala Lumpur is this giant metropolis, but also this like very old country. So we're living in Chinatown where, you know, they're, they're chopping up frogs in the alleys for the soup. And, you know, it's really, uh, this kind of like old world feel. And then you walk 10 minutes to a eight story mega mall called the rise of opulence that has like a, like a, like a three story Chanel store. It's really like,
0: that's a a Crazy name for a mall. Yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah, The the rise
1: Rise of of
0: opulence.
3: opulence. (laughs) Do you want to go see a movie? (laughs) The rise of opulence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so we tried to go see La La Land and we get there and every showing of every movie is canceled. And they're all just showing Jackie Chan's new movie, which is called Kung Fu Yoga. And some guy walks up to know, us and I says, know. I have these tickets. My friends aren't coming. Do you want them? <laughs> and we're like, I guess we'll see this kind of crazy looking movie. The poster is like Jackie Chan flying through the air in a Jeep with like with a, a lion yeah. in the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Jackie and, uh, Chan movies. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's really oh, great because it's loved. it's clearly not a movie meant for Western audiences. And so like the, the conventions within the film are so different. That it was kind of, it was really a bizarre experience. But he came into the, the whole cast came into the theater beforehand.
3: We're like,
1: Shakes Our hands, whole, yeah. chats, gives like a speech. It was, and the the people just went nuts. Like what the whole theater day. is like screaming, <laughs> and we're like, man, we're just gonna go
0: see. Did Law. you ever
3: think that you would be in a movie theater shaking in Malaysia, shaking hands with Jackie
0: Chan? <laughs> right. I what mean, this is like one day, day you wake up wherever, and like yep. by the end of the day, you've met Jackie Chan, and like right, yeah. you never know what's yep. gonna happen yeah. when you're when you're you what's the road. What's happen. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and so all wonderful. of that stemmed from just a kind of random choice because tickets were cheap. And we had like, you know, off. half of a recommendation that it was a neat place to go. Yeah. So I think the opportunity is is everywhere.
0: It sounds like you guys kind of did a combination of like planning your trip around places you wanted to go, of course. But then like the Malaysia thing was just like, hey, uh, kind of on a whim or our visas running out. We got to figure out where to go next. Let's just go here. Maybe you were traveling, sounds like, to some places for the work opportunities that, that dictated some things and meeting up with family and all these different things, which I think yeah, it makes a lot of sense when you're out on the road for a year. How was the transition to living on the road? Because you guys went from, you know, sort of this quote unquote regular kind of life, you know, Western, you know, job and living in one place and all that stuff to living on the road. Can you give us the like the arc of uh, of how you felt during during your time on the road from like the beginning to settling in and how did that all go for you?
3: yeah I think we have sort of slightly different experiences. Teak did really well. Um, I kind of struggled with it to be to be perfectly honest when you first get on the road. you're used to like being home with your clothes and your hair products and your showers and,
0: um, <laughs> your warm showers your, yeah. <laughs> your,
3: your warm your toilets that have seats and um it was really probably the first month took me quite a, quite a minute to kind of get used to like, okay, you have four shirts, you have two skirts, you have five pairs of underwear. This is your life now. Um, we, we lived on an island for a while and the only showers you had were dumping cold buckets of water over your head and geckos were pooping in the water and there are scorpions crawling around on the floor. And it was a weird adjustment to kind of let go of the, vanity I think really for me was the struggle that um you know your hair's kind of crazy this week because you live on an island and uh the trade-off is that you don't get your sort of creature comforts of uh pretty clothes and nice shoes and um and I think it's a really cathartic experience that was super valuable and it's been really valuable for me coming home and um I would say it took me about four weeks to adjust. And then you kind of get to a point where it's your life now, you know, it's, it's normal. There were growing pains for me for sure though. Yeah. I, I feel like I
1: adapted to that part of it just fine. Sounds Like
3: your dream. Yeah. It kind of, kind of
1: (laughs) is. I like the idea of, I just wear the same t-shirt. Like I have like three identical shirts that I wear and that's it. Um, that part wasn't difficult. Uh, I think, so that (laughs) transition was fairly smooth for me. Um, I know that after a while, living out of the pack, like, the the, the low-level stress that it is does kind of add up. Like, the idea that everything I own and everything that's super important, I have to keep track of all the time. And not having, like, a, a safe spot that's your home. Like, we didn't have anything that's valuable. End, yeah. We just had, I guess, like, passports and we had a, a little cheap, like, Chromebook.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, so we didn't own anything valuable, but if any of that stuff had like disappeared, it would have been and really stressful. Yeah. And so having to carry that on your back all the time after months and months after did kind of wear yeah. on you. And that was what made doing things like working in a place really nice where you were kind of like like living on the farm yeah. in Scotland.
2: You but got you know, own it's very room.
1: safe. You had your own room. And so about halfway through, I was kind of tired of living out of the pack in the sense that I had to always
0: like being keep on an eye on
1: everything. Yeah. yeah,
3: right. yeah it's-
1: and so then when we started switching and doing some of the longer term working, it was kind of like little islands where in between the islands of working, we're doing all the like cool, crazy backpacking and you're moving quickly and you're staying in all these random places and you're meeting a lot of people and you do that for a month and then you get to like stay on the farm mm-hmm. for a while. You
3: make friends and you can unpack your clothes yeah. and, wash and so, your socks. And-,
1: and so we started to move into like that rhythm where we're like let's move and then we'll stop. Let's move and then we'll yeah. stop. And that was I think really nice because the the constant moving was too much, and if we stayed in a place for too a long, year, that was yeah. also too much for a year. So after a while, we kind of settled into that rhythm, which yeah. I didn't expect at all. I thought we were just gonna like.
3: We slowed down significantly, basically, is, you know, over the course of a year. And um, but I think it was a really positive experience in teaching you. You know, you really don't need that much to live and to be happy and to have yeah. good experiences. It's you. It's sort of all window dressing at the end of the day. To you know what you're really there to do, which is experience new things and meet new people. And no one cares what you're wearing. I mean, only you, and, you <laughs> yeah.
1: know, I will say though, we were both so glad to get rid of our, our like walking sandals. When yeah. We, got we, home.
3: We, had, we did the one pair of shoes
1: <laughs> the whole time and they were perfect. They were great, they were but amazing. I never want to put them on never. again. What kind
3: of
0: sandals?
1: Chacos. Oh yeah, yeah. We
3: both bought Chacos, um, by the end, mine split. Yeah, yeah. they're great. They yeah, really they are.
1: are. I, I recommend them. They are the ugliest shoe, I think, in the world. But they are so comfy and so durable, and they'll make it through. But, man, mine are still just sitting on the porch. I Mm -hmm. haven't touched them since we got back.
3: (laughs) Mine cracked in half. A month before we came home and we were just gluing it. So we'd like go to the dollar store. we glue the shoe together and then we'd I mean, yeah, every, every
0: good trip involves some glue or duct tape. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. if you're not gluing or duct taping something, then... Did you even
3: travel? Where, yeah. What, did
0: you what, <laughs> what you have doing? you done? I'm saying this is a trip, but you just brought up the fact uh, that like changes from a trip to life you know at a certain point i mean a trip is like two or three weeks or i mean you, you can't put a number on it i guess but when you're on the road for a year you're just you're living your life you just happen to be traveling while you're living your life so that's where it becomes a different experience i think because you're you're now getting past the the vacation mode and you're getting into just hey this is my life so uh really quick on the work opportunities because it sounds like you guys have done a lot of cool things can you just again, rattle off a few of the things you did and where did you find all these opportunities and, and what were some of the highlights there? Because I think people that it might be attracted to like slow travel or the idea of exchanging, I don't know if you did it for accommodations in exchange, like a volunteering thing or like, talk to me about that experience.
3: Yeah. We, we got a profile with dot org, which I highly recommend. There's some tricks to using it. I think you have actually a previous podcast on it, Jason. Um, you know, you want to make sure you get a place with good reviews, and you never know what you're really going to get. But um, we volunteered on an island in Cambodia where we bartended and served breakfast. We and worked at. Did a, and did construction. And did construction. I put that I
1: was a handyman on the profile, so everywhere we went, I did yep. a lot of construction.
3: So either do put that you were.
1: Where, where was that? Uh, that was in Cambodia, on. Koh okay. San Lom. Yeah. yeah.
3: If you can do construction, put it on your profile because everybody needs somebody to work construction. Um, (laughs) that being said, you will get put to work. And then we did a month in a hostel in Malaysia where we were put up in an apartment in Chinatown and we walked to work every morning and, um, I made breakfast and teak work construction. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, we worked construction in Italy on a 400 year old stone house and we worked on a farm for a month in Scotland. Yep yeah so we kind of tried to plan like the more expensive places like Scotland where we knew that either we'd only be able to go for a weekend or we'd have to you know w- work away as a work exchange so you get room and board typically at least a meal um, in exchange for five hours roughly of work a day roughly five days a week um which was fine for us because we like to work I mean it doesn't really change especially because you're not on vacation you're living you're living your life like you said and you need something to kind of fill your days and give you value so I think work away uh was really great for that yeah it was a sense of home and uh
1: and it definitely was where a lot of our good friendships came from because so often on the road when you're meeting people like they are on shorter trips and so they're like hey let's party like let's go out and do crazy stuff and that's fun every now and then, but w- when it's your life, like you just can't do that every day. And yeah. and they're just coming at it from such a different mindset that it's hard to, you know, it's just hard to connect with someone yeah. when you're they're sort of crossing the in the night.
3: Right. And they want to go go out and we're yeah. like, well, we've been on the road for six months and we don't really want to party every night because, you know, we, we're doing another six months. And so when you would, but when you're working with people, they're kind of in the same mindset of you and you yeah up and have conversations
1: and yeah we made some really good friends yeah. in uh, Malaysia and Scotland and Italy um mm-hmm. yeah. are, it was a really good basis to to really get to know some people to get to know the area really well and kind of you know settle in because if you you know if you spend like a crazy week in Bangkok, I feel like you probably don't know Bangkok really that well but if you lived there for a month working which we didn't do that in Bangkok but you know, like you're going to yeah, you get a sense of, of knowing it. We did that in Kuala Lumpur, and I think it, it made it a really special experience.
0: Mm-hmm. By the way, the site I think is Workway.info, strange. Oh, enough. Workway.info, it, yeah. I'm so sorry. Um, that's okay. <clears throat> I like that tip, you know, kind of using this strategy, if you want to call it that, uh, in expensive places. But I think saying it's a strategy kind of undermines, like, the value you can get out of this, or it sounds like that you guys have gotten out of this experience, because it wasn't just about the the cost savings, although that's a part of it. But um, there's a lot around that. I mean, not only are you getting yourself more in the culture, but like, Teague, I mean, you came from working as a lawyer to now you're just like doing construction for free. Like, <laughs> I mean, you talked to, and, and Sophia, you talked about letting go of like, you know, vanity or whatever in the, in the beginning of the trip. Like, what are some of the other things you guys had to let go of as far as your identities i don't know if that's the right question because you are who you are but did you feel like you were detaching from certain things
1: yeah definitely i know for me like detaching from the like work lawyer mentality was a little difficult at first but i think one of the healthiest things i got out of travel Um, because my job before i don't remember how much i talked about it in our past thing um, but it was a really stressful job that just absorbed 99% 99% of my mental energy and completely dictated to who I, who I was. And, uh, and that's kind of, I think how lawyers tend to be is they get really wrapped up in your profession and it really defines who you are as a person. And so being on the road, suddenly none of that mattered anymore. And it was kind of like a good chunk of myself that wasn't particularly healthy or good for me got lopped off and I had to sort of exist in a world without that, um, like no one cares what you do back home yeah. on the road. So suddenly <laughs> like uh, everything I used to talk about and be just doesn't matter anymore. And it, I had to sort of not become a whole person again, but you know, I had to kind of like parts of me that, you know, was, you know, having a good conversation that wasn't based on the crazy case I was working on, you know, I yeah, had to sort no of, one cares. no one cares. And so, uh, <laughs> Great. it was really good for me to kind of let that go and sort of, sounds so stupid to say find myself, but I I guess that really is what it was to sort of find who I was apart from that in a completely different context and then bring that home. And I think it's made me a much like more whole and centered and happy person. What did you find
3: when you examined?
1: (laughs) Well, I think I found that, you know, I, I got too wrapped up in what I was doing and I was letting it make me super unhappy. And I had a lot of really bad habits associated with it that, you know, I've since been able to kind of leave behind. Um, and just be like a little more of a relaxed, calm-centered person who understands my much smaller space in the world than I used to believe it. I used to think I was more important than I was. And I wouldn't have said that at the time, but in looking back on it, you know, I took myself too seriously and travel, whether it's, you know, having terrible food poisoning or, you know, missing a bus or, you know, getting made fun of by someone because you are doing the dumbest thing because you have no idea what's going on. Like it really humbles you, you yeah, know, yeah. and that's really good. I think yeah, that's yeah. one of the better things I got out of it is, is being directly humbled like that.
0: I mean, by the way, all those things you mentioned on a year long trip are guaranteed to happen to you. Yeah. If you go on a year oh, definitely. long trip, Multiple like, times. that is going all of that of the above is going to happen. So It's,
3: <laughs> it's
1: going to happen a lot. It's going to be like your most <laughs> common experience. Yeah.
3: You're going to feel the food poisoning come on and just think to yourself, well, here we go. Yeah. Get the bucket.
1: Yep. And it's just like you you just sort of walk around, especially in Asia, with like a sort of – you're just moving so much. You just always have kind of like low-grade food poisoning. (laughs) And you get really hearty about it. You're just like, yeah, I'm sick. Whatever. We just keep going. (laughs) So we're still
3: going to go to the beach, right?
1: Yeah.
0: It's character building. (laughs) It is. It's very character building.
3: You learn very, very quick to get comfortable with being sort of uncomfortable – um because the exchange is that you get to be in these amazing places and do these incredible things so
0: why else is travel good for you and is there anything about it that was bad for you
3: I'm trying to think if there's anything that that's bad i mean i think that it was really perspective building in um as Americans who had not really traveled a whole lot before you are forced to sort of confront your own biases about places, about uh, people assumptions that you have and, um, and realize that like one, you do have your own weird biases that you, you know, no matter how progressive and cool you think you are, you go to a place and you realize like, Oh wow, I really don't know anything about this culture and I've never bothered to learn. Um, And you sort of come to realize that, you know, everybody's just uh, like you. They're people who love their families. They're trying to work jobs. They're trying to have a good time. And um, I think that's really, really valuable.
1: Yeah, I think it's perspective shifting in that way that you – or I had a Everything more like
3: different, but it's not really that different. Yeah. That the people
1: end. are, you know, like, yeah, the window dressing of different cultures is different, but like basic human values are so similar everywhere and it's really uplifting. Yeah. And similar. I, I tended towards being kind of like a skeptical, pessimistic person beforehand and traveling and, and, you know, receiving the kindness of strangers who so don't have to help you oh, man, world over, like, and how much we depended on that. It really affirms like the basic decency of human beings. And Mm -hmm. that's really positive. You're
3: you're so vulnerable when you travel and that's valuable just to be vulnerable for a little bit, but
1: we'd uh, still be stuck in India if it wasn't for the kindness of strangers. And that was so cool that, you know, people helped us out and
3: we literally got stuck in India. We literally got stuck and could not get out, but for like these random people who would like be like, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't really speak to us, but they'd be like, here, here, come here, come here. And they'd take us to wherever it was we needed to go and point at the thing. And I mean, yeah, we would still be in or folly.
1: What was the second era. half of your question though? That was, uh, it was what's bad.
3: Yeah. I think, I think, um, and this is just us. Um, we got really tired after a while of being sort of in transient relationships with everybody. Um, so there's something about I don't know if it's just maybe our age or just being a human that you after a while do miss having like long-term friends and when you travel fast um, you do kind of get jaded to it's you know a new person every day a new person a hi where you been where you from what are you doing um, that after a while I think got really old and
1: yeah you had to be careful to not to get yeah to, really closed off because you have the same conversations over and over and. Yeah.
3: After nine months of meeting hostile friends and having the same conversation about who you are, where you're from, where you've been, where you're going next, you you do kind of get burnt out, and um, that's not that's not great. I would, uh, I mean, we would guard against that next time and yeah. be more careful. And but, um, it's it's good to keep in mind when you're traveling fast um, to to take time to slow down to have good relationships and. Um,
0: Okay, so you guys were together all the time as a couple, and then you decided to split up. And I'm really curious about this part of the trip because now we get to see, okay, first of all, your experience together as a couple and like the fact that you then wanted to have this solo travel experience. Why did you decide that?
3: I think we talked about it on our on our last interview, but we always it was sort of in a rough plan that we would split up at some point. Um, that w- was important to, you know, if we were going to do this, like, let's really do this. And um, I think we sort of anticipated that there would be a point where we would maybe want to do separate things. And we both had sacrificed so much to be on this trip that it didn't seem right that either one should have to compromise. And um, sure enough, that that moment came where basically I was ready to be um, out of Asia Um, and he was not, and I think you even said like, I'm not ready to leave yet.
2: Yeah.
3: And so that was that exact moment that I think we had sort of been realistic about. I, I, I'm ready to go. I don't want to spend another month here. He really wants to stay and it's not, you know, if he comes with me to Europe now, he's going to be maybe resentful or, you know, wish that he had stayed. So
0: was part of that, like also wanting to have the solo travel experience.
3: Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because when you travel as a couple, um, first off, like you really get to know how you work as a couple when you travel together the way we did. Yeah. Like,
2: uh,
1: <laughs> let's see, like Thanksgiving. So we've been on, the, we're in Thailand, in northern Thailand. We've been on the road for like, you know, just a couple weeks. And Sophia decides she really has to rent a scooter. And
3: Everybody has a scooter, Jason. <laughs> Everybody has a scooter. And like, I want a scooter. Oh, She's no. never
1: ridden anything before. <laughs> And but I'm like, all right, you know, like, it's a cool adventure. Let's do it. Like, it's beautiful. We're up in, it's in Pi. It was like beautiful mountainous countryside. And so we get scooters and her lesson is like five minutes in an alley with <laughs> a 12 year old Thai kid <laughs> who just like, you know, doesn't speak in English, sort of points and is like, all right, here you go. And like hands are the keys. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, I don't know, man, this isn't good. And every third person in Pi is like a person in elephant pants with like a limb bandage. I didn't realize that. And it's because they rent scooters and wreck them. And so that happened. Sophia wrecked a scooter, and then she got really terrible food poisoning.
3: All within the same day.
1: On Thanksgiving Day. And I literally had to, like, carry her back to the hostel and then make polite conversation with the two delightful Scottish girls we were sharing a room with while Sophia's in the bathroom just like <laughs> –
3: you get very comfortable. Like I'm, I'm expelling liquids <laughs> yeah, from yeah. every place. The, the doors
0: yeah. are thin and you can hear everything <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And so like traveling as a couple, you get really intimately involved in each other's lives in a way that you did not anticipate before. I love how
0: politically correct you are about like the story. You're just really weaving your way through it. Like very, very lawyerly.
3: <laughs> not, not too many details. Oh, yeah. but definitely. Um, he had to hoist me up on his shoulders at some point and like, jog through the streets all the people thought it was really cute and they're waving meanwhile i'm like like, she's gonna throw up
1: on the back of my neck like she's gonna she's gonna poop on me Um,
0: (laughs) we will not be including uh, the audio from that into this podcast Um,
1: (laughs) but so that that's part of it is that you do get like super comfortable and involved in each other and very dependent and so i think if you're not careful you can just depend on each other so much that you don't have to like go outside of what becomes a fairly comfortable space Um, because you can just rely on each other and you don't have to rely on other people or get to know other people because you're traveling together. And so the decision to split up and travel separate for a while, I think was really to in part to counter that, to see like, can I really do this on my own? Like what happens? Uh, Can I hack it? If I just, I'm in the middle of Vietnam and something goes wrong and I'm completely alone. Can I like figure out what to do on my own experience? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. and that I think who am I
3: outside of traveling in this pair?
1: Yeah, and that's really important because you are confronted with a lot of stuff that yeah. you wouldn't have, you know, had to deal with if you had your other person
0: there.
3: Yeah. Well, true. let me
0: hear about it from each of you. What? It, how did you find the solo travel experience?
3: We had spent a month before in India, which is its own fun side adventure, and uh, I, and then we were in Nepal, and uh, I was just getting, I was just ready to to go. <laughs> To go somewhere with the toilet paper, Teague wanted to go motorcycle Vietnam, and I knew that that was not something that I was particularly interested in doing. It I had just especially you know, after we the motorbike the, incident. Yeah, we had. <laughs> yeah. had yeah, I was done. I was like, no yeah. more two like, No wheels. more. Yeah, I no good. more two wheel
0: transportation on this trip. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right. <laughs> so, um, and I had always wanted to, as I think probably most people listening to you know you always think like ah oh, someday I'm gonna backpack Europe. I'm going to, I'm going to take my backpack and I'm just going to fly to London and go and do it. So that was sort of my MO was to go live out that dream, the backpacking Europe dream. And, um, I flew to London and, and, uh, couch surfed, which is another great, um, service that people can use. I couch surfed with a Polish house. Yeah. You kind of learn who you are, when you're on your own and you know, nobody that I met on the road knew me in the context of Teague or in the context of our life before, they just knew that I was like some girl with a backpack traveling through Europe for six weeks. And um, it's really cool to, to I highly recommend um, sort of solo backpack because you, I think it kind of opens you up to people and kind of to who who you are like well now that i'm not in a couple like what do i want to talk about yeah what are the things that are important to just me and um you do miss your your other half but uh yeah it was yeah yeah so you
1: did you did london
3: i did london i did brussels amsterdam amsterdam portugal i went up and down Portugal, the coast of Portugal for two weeks and couch surfed and, um,
0: and you got to do whatever you want. You didn't have to make any compromises.
3: Yeah, it was, it was really, really great. Um, and, and it's an interesting thing because I uh, was couch surfing a lot because I was like, I'm going to do Europe on $800 for six weeks, which was a terrible idea, but I depended a lot on couch surfers and also because I was trying to meet people because it was just me. And I'm five two and I, you know, I'm a, a girl. I think people were very, very open to taking me into their home and showing me kindness. It was a lot harder to find couch surfing opportunities when Teague, who's six three, um, and a little bit more intimidating than I am, was with me. So I, you know, got to kind of move freely and very fluidly and oh, I think I'm you know, someone offered to host me in this city tonight, so I think I'm gonna catch a bus out of town and walk to this person's house and um, when I say it like that, it sounds really dangerous and don't tell my mom, <laughs> but it was, it was fantastic. I, Teague, Teague has, has better stories cause he was in, uh, Vietnam.
1: I left first, flew out of Kathmandu to Ho Chi Minh city in Vietnam. And I'd, we'd set it up cause we had, um, we'd done a meditation retreat in Nepal was our last thing we did there. Um, And so we set everything up before that because then it was like 11 days of complete isolation and no internet and everything. So we had all the tickets and everything bought right before that. Um, And I rented a motorcycle in Ho Chi Minh City and then spent a month slowly headed north on a motorcycle um, ending in Hanoi and had a lot of crazy adventures on the way. If you like motorcycling, Vietnam is a pretty great place.
3: I'd be sitting on the on the Douro River in Portugal having a, an espresso and an amazing pastry, and I'd get a picture of Teague on the back of a motorcycle, and in front of him are, like, sharks loaded onto a truck <laughs> with, like, people weaving in and out. It, I mean, I, and I would, like, look down at my pastry and just be like, I made the
1: right choice. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely both made the right choice. You would have hated it, hated everything about it. Um, And I loved it. It was really great uh, because I did have to sort of do all that on my own. I had to uh, negotiate dealing with, you know, the police in Vietnam on my own, getting a motorcycle, meeting people on the road. I made a lot of friends friends in Vietnam because, you know, you're all suffering through the same thing and nothing bonds you quite like suffering. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, you would. All be on the road together, and I I met up with the same people three or four times while in Vietnam. We just happened to run into each other because it's a very narrow country, and if you're all headed north, you know there's only a couple different places to stay in certain spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did that for a full month. I got really sick a few times and just had to ride that out by myself too, which was interesting to not have someone looking after me
3: Mm
1: -hmm. when I'm really sick.
3: Yeah, but it kind of builds care. I mean, it's very like yeah, you're like it's it's fine. I can take care of it. You know, take care of myself.
0: Sign up over there at zero to travel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. When did you decide to pop the question? Cause you came together again in Paris. Was that? Yeah. Well, so when, I, how did I, it go I, down, man? <laughs> 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 so congratulations. Um, once again,
3: so. oh, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, we're really excited.
1: I, I sort of knew it would happen at some point on the trip. Um, and we had spent six.
3: Thank God you were right.
1: Well, yeah. I is mean, that
3: if you, We left the trip and you're like, you know, I don't know if this girl's
1: from me. I mean, I guess <laughs> or, in you know, some ways. A lot
3: about what it sounds like when she's sick. Uh,
1: <clears> this <throat> is, I mean, traveling like that is the ultimate like relationship crucible. Yeah. Yeah, because really if we can spend six months together
2: 24
1: seven and we're sick and stressed out and dealing with all this mm-hmm. stuff and we still want to hang out together, mm-hmm. I figured that was a good metric. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my thought is like. I think this is gonna happen. We really, you really know someone after that, and yeah. so then the six weeks apart in my mind was sort of like, okay, we had this really intense time together. Now we have a couple weeks apart. I can get like a little distance on it and really think it through, mm-hmm. and so that was my thought, um, and that's what I did a lot of time when I was like tootling up a hill in Vietnam for hours by myself.
0: Well, I totally have the vision of you on the motorbike. It's very romantic vision, right? Like, on the <laughs> yeah. motorcycle by yourself, like, yeah. contemplating life, trying to decide if you're yeah. going to do this thing. Yeah. How did that happen? Was it, Was it uh, like, the first day you came together? Or did, like...
3: We, um... I had also done my own contemplating, Jason. Yeah, well, you could, you could have said
0: no, you know?
3: I... Um- <laughs> also got a ring to go to Paris. Whoa! Yeah, um, because I had a sort of a similar experience with Teague, which is like, you know, we've had this really intense time together. I feel really grateful to have someone who, traveling alone a lot, especially as a woman, and I would tell people I have a boyfriend, and they'd go, oh, your boyfriend let you come here? And I'd be like, One, my boyfriend doesn't let me do anything. (laughs) Let me tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Two, yeah, that is pretty cool, right? He's, like, really cool with it. (laughs) uh, um, I was so grateful for him when we were traveling together because he – I'm very high-strung in the planner, and he would always be like, it's fine, relax, like, it's okay, and and that's such a valuable partnership. And then, you know, being apart, I thought – yeah, I think I'm I think I'm going to propose to Teague in Paris for sure.
2: Yeah, that's uh, awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah. So we get to Paris. Um, we had so much catching up to do because six weeks in travel time, as you know, as a traveler is a lifetime.
0: I'm sorry. I just assumed the traditional, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. well, so we both had rings. That's what this, we both this
1: story is. Yeah. I, no um, I
0: bought a who
3: ring. Did it? Who did it? Who made it, Jason? I don't Find know. I, travel. I don't know.
0: I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to guess that Teague beat you to the punch. I don't know, but I don't know. Sophia, maybe, maybe I'm wily. I'm you're a so wily. wily. You're yeah. I'm predictable. You know? know, you don't know. So here's what happened.
1: <laughs> here's what happened. Um, I bought a ring in Thailand, uh, right before we went back together. Cause it was sort of like, yep, I've had my time to think about it. Definitely doing this. Um, Sophia had a ring, and then we met up in Paris, and we had this awesome little Airbnb, and we were there for three days.
0: Paris is incredible. Must People. have been so nice to see each other again. Too, so nice to see each other. Yeah.
3: I mean, we're like meeting again for the first time on like a picnic blanket under the Eiffel Tower with right. like a bottle oh, of wine. Wow. And she, I mean, and it, it was, didn't
0: happen there.
3: <laughs> no, it didn't. We had we had we had so much to talk about that it.
1: Yeah. Like, well, and when we first met up. Sophia was super stressed out because I was really confused by the public transit in, in Paris oh, yeah. and I was like an hour late and we didn't have phones or anything. And so when I showed up, she was, like, was
3: like, he got kidnapped. This mm. is it. <laughs> I'm to call his parents. <laughs> I'm like in a coffee shop crying, trying to get reception. And then like, I look across the street and Teague's like, bopping along, <laughs> bopping along, like playing, you know, and i Run out of the coffee shop with tears, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so
1: the first when we first meet up wasn't a good time. I was also I'd had like a really weird flight from I flew out of Bangkok and had a layover in Ashgabat, Turkmenistan, which is a crazy place, and uh, was like you know jet lagged and really confused about what time it was and being in such a different climate. So we had three days, um, catching up, three days of catching up and just sort of enjoying Paris, and then on the third and final day. Right before we fly out to
3: Venice. Venice Venice was next. next. Um,
1: We had a bottle of wine. Yeah,
3: we we got a bottle of wine. We went to the steps of the Louvre.
1: It's like a beautiful spring night.
3: No one there. Our plan was to like – we both had kind of plans for that night. Um, And it was to like go watch the – you know, the Eiffel Tower. They they light it up on the hour. So we had midnight. We were going to go to the Eiffel Tower – um, but first we got this bottle of wine, we're sitting on the steps of the Louvre talking, we're let, we're getting kind of tipsy. Um,
1: and we just kind of lost track of time. Like we didn't, and then suddenly we realized like, it was almost like,
3: it's like 15 minutes a minute. Yeah. It's gotta like, go.
1: and we have to get to the Eiffel tower from there. It's very far. And we get a little confused on the subway and we're like sprinting through the like subway stations in Paris trying to make it and we eventually get to the right station and we get out and we can kind of see the eiffel tower in the <laughs> distance and we're like
3: we're just like like mission impossible style sprinting through the streets our plans messed up we're laughing because we're like we're like how could we possibly i'm like how could we possibly be late to i'm about to get engaged i'm going to propose like and i'm late I'm the worst traveler of all time.
1: And so then like it hits midnight and the thing sparkles and we're just in like the middle of a, of, I think it's New York Avenue in Paris. And there's like no one out and there's no traffic or anything. And so we're standing in the middle of the street and we're laughing and we're like sweaty and a little drunk. And I was just like, Hey, will you marry me in the middle of the street? And she's like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you Aww. tell him that you had... A, oh, you guys can kiss now. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I don't I, like
3: him that much. I felt, <laughs> I felt the
0: moment coming. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. What a great, yeah. what a great story. Wow. So... Yeah.
3: The tagline is, we were, we were a little drunk and late for our own engagement. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. There so you go. perfect. Well,
0: it's yeah. nice, too. Like, the solo travel really does give you time to reflect on whatever is going on in your life. And I find, like just having space like travel gives you a certain space from a lot of different things that it can be hard to get in your regular life if you're not making a conscious effort, because I feel like it's easier to get in sort of habit loops and different things in your regular life and routines. And you all of a sudden, you're not paying attention to the fact that like, well, three months just went by, you haven't given yourself any space to like explore certain things about yourself or, or whatever. So, you know, you mentioned like finding yourself. And which is like a typical travel cliche, but I think for a reason, and I'm just, I think it's, it's not so much the travel, it's just like the travel sort of facilitates the space in a way. So what did you guys find?
3: Uh, Just to to your point, and what I think is one of the most valuable things about travel is that you find on the road, you suddenly just have a lot of time, you know, in your, in your regular day-to-day life where you work, if you have relationships and you, you know, you never have, you don't have as much time to sit down and just think. But suddenly when you're on the road and you have an eight hour bus ride to Poland, you find that you have just an infinite amount of time to stare out the window and kind of think and confront things. And um, the road, I think, is the best place to get your thinking done. And you have to be sort of comfortable with just um, sitting in that thought and sort of facing down those things that maybe in your real life, your real life, quote unquote, you're you never really have to, um, examine. So I I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think what we found about ourselves is that, um, we are lifelong travelers who want to go to new countries and experience new things, but we definitely, um, really missed the work, you know, we missed structure and we missed, um, friends and, um, we never really got fully into vacation mode because we were always sort of looking for something to ground us to a place. So Yeah.
1: I think I I did a lot of kind of peeling back and looking at the my inner clockwork and seeing how I tick and I think I realized that like I do need to work and I have a tendency to fall into the kind of things like situations like my job before and I, it's something I have to sort of guard against that I don't you know, fall into it and let my health um, deteriorate, and like my mental health go to go to pot because I've decided to do this super stressful thing. Um, but at the same time, I also have a need to yeah. do work that I feel is important, yeah. and that often can lead to that. And so, I did a lot of thinking about how I'm going to be able to sort of balance those two kind of contradicting things in the future,
3: and a lot of conversations about okay, when we do go back to the U S like what's actually important to us? Like, what do we want to build long-term versus I think before we left, we thought of everything in terms of like, well, we just got to do it. You just got to get through today. You just got to go to work or you just got to, you know, without really being intentional and careful to think about what it's all for, what, what you're sort of working towards. And, um, you know, now that we're back and we had all that time to think on the road and sort of find ourselves, we are living much more intentional lives.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is that it's really easy to not live very intentionally because the world will supply you with things to worry about and things to focus on that maybe isn't, aren't things that you would choose, but you sort and now of you're
2: doing them choose and you're doing them by
1: default. And, mm-hmm. and that chance to step back and look at it all and reevaluate lets you kind of calibrate and choose the things that do matter to you. Which it turns out, like a lot of the things that I think do matter to us are sort of conventional things. Like we want to sort of settle down for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, you know.
3: We want to move abroad.
1: We want to move abroad eventually, but we, we want to like
3: that we, that's our new life goal. Is we, we need to settle
1: to down abroad. eventually and have kind of rewarding careers, um, and save the a lot of money to travel. so that we can travel in the future. So a lot of the things I think we ended up learning about ourselves and what we want for the future tend to be more or less conventional, but we're now doing it intentionally. And not coming at it from the sort of default position.
0: It's, yeah, like you said, it's a different way to approach it completely. 100%. You could have the same exact thing, like you could take the same exact job back and everything, but like if you're doing it intentionally, that's a totally different situation, even if on the surface it might look the same, you know? Let's talk about like coming home and this next step for you guys, this intentional choice to settle down. What are you doing and like how? How did the travel influence those decisions? I guess we touched on that a bit, but um, let's hear what you're up to.
1: Here's like a kind of a preface. I think coming home can be just as jarring as leaving. Yeah, yeah, that's a- But we did it in a really like soft ramp kind of way. We flew from Paris to New York, spent like a week and a half in New York, which was so different from our regular lives that even though we were like back in America, it was different enough that it still felt kind of on the road. Mm-hmm. And then we spent about a month in the Pacific Northwest visiting friends and so it was kind of this like nice off-ramp of travel where we're we're kind of back in the we are back in the country but it doesn't feel like man we just like arrived at home and then we spent some time traveling with friends staying at their place we were in one place for two or three weeks and we kind of settled down get back used to just sort of like American culture and then we actually came home so it we took us like a whole month basically before We were actually, like, back home Mm -hmm. seeing our families. Um, And I think that made it so much easier. I think it would have been really tough to just...
3: If we came back and immediately, like, went back into jobs.
1: I had a friend that flew from, I think, from, like, Shanghai back to Las Cruces, New Mexico, where he's from, where his family's mm -hmm. from. And he said it was the most, like, jarring thing. that He spent, like, a week just, like, completely kind of freaking out because you just, like, get plopped right back in the middle. Mm -hmm. So we didn't do that. So the transition back for us, I think, was... That's fairly slower. slow and smooth, but it still was really strange. Like, I don't know. We went to a Walmart, and I was just like, "Yeah,
2: that's
3: right." The I Walmart. couldn't,
1: I couldn't handle it. I had to get out of the Walmart because it was just too much and so gross.
3: Yeah, our our first week back, we, we had to go grocery shopping for a fridge because we had a fridge uh, that we put food in, and we were just like, "What is this?" Like,
1: it was, yeah.
0: How wow. does how does the American culture seem? different to you now or does it seem different
1: it's yeah it seems really different i think um a lot of the stereotypes you run across about american culture ring a little more true like we are kind of like this consumerism based kind of wasteful society and we yeah. have all these like giant unnecessary things like when we went to that walmart i got the cart and i thought this is wrong i got the giant cart like where's yeah, the, the cart's regular huge. sized cart? And no, it was a regular size cart. It's just it was super giant. It's like how could you possibly?
0: <laughs> they are comically large. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: it's really strange. And, and that really is everything in American culture. Everything is so giant it's and so bigger, over the top, yeah. and mostly unnecessary.
3: I and, remember I kept freaking out because, it, it, as you probably know, in Europe they don't um, they don't give you the plastic bags. Or if you want a plastic bag, you have to pay for it. Um, and we were checking out, and the lady was like bagging and double bagging, and like just taking bags out and throwing stuff in them. You know, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is such a strange."
0: You're just uh, noticing things sh- you might not have noticed before. Yeah, yeah,
3: that I never thought about before. That like, we're bagging five items, and it's now we have these eight plastic bags where we had just come from Paris, where, you know, they're like, "Well, you're carrying it, or it's you know, fifty cents or whatever yeah. the charges for the bag."
1: And I and was, I think, like American culture. At least back here in New Mexico, like because we're a more like rural state, you know it's a car based culture, everyone's in their own cars. you don't really interact with human beings as much uh in like a person to person way that you would even in like well new York, New York you like you're smashed up against everyone, and so it makes it a little more isolated than I remembered thinking it was before I thought that was completely normal, and now that I've come back like there's a distance um that I didn't realize there was before. And I think that that's kind of a bad thing about our culture
2: Yeah,
1: is that we have this built in distance that kind of dehumanizes other people Mm -hmm. and keeps us from, you know, experiencing people who are different than us. And that is not a good, (laughs) a good part of American culture to
3: be aware of now.
1: Yeah. I'm much more aware of it. And you, and you realize that that, and that leads to so many weird biases and fears Mm -hmm. that I think kind of, are bubbling around in the overall American psyche. Yeah. I did find though, like, and maybe it's just that finally you're somewhere with a common language, that when I did bump into people, strangers, and, and did chat with them, everyone was super friendly. Um, and that wasn't my memory of it before. I always thought of us as a little more standoffish.
2: Yeah.
1: And we were in a lot of places where people were very friendly, but coming back home, I, I would come home and be like, I just had a great conversation with a little old lady in line at the thrift store. You felt you know, like that
0: I, way, like you were traveling again, like you had a random, yeah. you know. yeah. I personally think it's empowering the idea of when you settle back down or whatever words you want to use, whatever lingo, when you've done it before, like, you know, you can do it again. Right. So I don't think it's as scary to sort of get ties again when you've done it before and it's not as like intimidating to do. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. you Perfect. Perfect. In fact, we say all the time, you know, if Teague's starting this new job, I'm thinking about starting a new career and We say to each other all the time, you know, if it ever gets to a point where we wake up and we're not happy, let's buy a plane ticket to Bangkok, (laughs) you know, like where you, some of the value of travel is that you know that you are never, or you're only ever as stuck as you choose to be because you can do it again. You've done it before. And, and if you need to, the whole world is out there and it's waiting to, sort of welcome you and and accept you. And so, you know, we would never have the fear again of being yeah. entrenched in sort of a life that we're not happy in because you buy a plane ticket and you go and and the rest sort of takes care of itself. And I,
1: and I think that also gives like a, a kind of a takes away some of the Unnecessary seriousness with with which we often approach life. Yeah. Like you take yourself and your job so seriously, but knowing that, like you know, if this all falls apart, like I'm just going to go back to Thailand and do Muay Thai. We
3: work in a hostel. You know, and be very happy and
1: be so much happier than I am in this miserable moment. And just knowing that that option is there, and that there's all this adventure and stuff you can do in the world, you know, and that you're a person separate from your crazy job or whatever. That you can just, you know, it makes it, you take it a lot less seriously. You take yourself a lot less seriously and everything isn't quite the black and white. No, I have to succeed in this a... or I'm a failure type right. of, uh, in, mental environment that yeah. you find yourself in. So true. And so travel's always out there. Yeah.
0: So the exit ramp strategy, I like that. If you're going to do like some travel in your home definitely. country, you maybe saving that towards the back end is, is a great tip to kind of re yeah. if you will. Yes, um, definitely. What are some of the other tips you guys want to share to like a newbie nomads or people that are going on a year long trip or a longer trip like this as far as like Sophia, you mentioned say, doing well with the flights, like whether you have some cheap flight strategies. Uh, we talked about work away, any budget saving tips, packing tips, anything like that. If you just kind of want to rattle off like a year's worth of wisdom for us. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go to the, like my go to things are um, if you can get um some sort of budget planner on your phone they have apps for it um we used trail wallet i don't know if we can plug it or not but we used trail wallet it was really really good and i logged all of our expenses um it's really good for just keeping you on track and um knowing sort of where your where your money's going and uh they say you know some of the conventional wisdom is if you're not keeping track of what you're spending you're spending too much um For packing, um, I would say definitely carry-on. Packing cubes. I don't know how anybody travels without packing cubes. Indispensable. Um, I've traveled with three packing cubes, one for pants, one for shirts, one for underwear and bras and stuff. Um, We did the one pair of shoes. Um, Flights. If you are the type of person who likes to plan and peruse flights like I do, I just looked every day you know, keep track of it, sort of keep the data in your mind. We used, um, Hopper flights, flight scanner, um, sky scanner, sky scanner. Sorry. And, uh, Google flights just, um, every day I would just kind of look, it takes 30 seconds and you sort of know what your options are. If you find a good flight, I, I buy it. I'm a trigger trigger puller. Um, you, the chances that it's going to go down are, I think it only happened to us once where we bought a plane ticket. And then two days later I got a notification that that flight got cheaper, but almost always it gets more expensive. So, you know, um, my advice to people buying flights is, you know,
0: did, did you have a certain notification set up?
3: Yeah. So on all those sites you can put notification, you know, give them your email and they'll send you notifications. Um, in Asia it's, you can buy your tickets, you know, the week before, and it's fine. In Europe, I tended to buy our tickets three three weeks um, or a month. Um, every so often, I could look two weeks or a week before, and it, it would be cheap. But most of the time, they get more expensive, um, always flying out of major air, airlines. And if you're willing to fly in weird hours, um, those flights are always cheaper. So I would say to people... Backpacking for the first time, if you are capable of it, you know, uh plan to travel either early in the morning or late at night because we got like twenty twenty dollar tickets from Paris to Venice. Um our our flight I think left super early or something, but
0: a lot of people ask about phone. What did you guys do for phone service?
1: <laughs> we just took our phones but used them just as Wi Fi devices. Okay. Yeah,
3: um, we never got chips. No. Uh, we never never got SIM cards or,
0: I, or anything. I,
1: I got a got SIM, SIM card, card in Vietnam um, because I was going to be alone on a motorcycle. And I that's true. I went on the recommendation from the hostel I was staying at, and the guy was kind of shady, and I thought this is kind of a bad idea. But I did it anyway, and my phone worked while I was in Ho Chi Minh City. And the second I left the city, it never worked again. So it was it, yeah. I didn't have it.
3: WhatsApp is a really good app that's internet-based. You can download it onto your phone. And it works without a sim card or anything. And then if like Teague downloads WhatsApp or my mom downloads WhatsApp, then it's sort of like a text device.
0: Yeah. I use that, that all just the time. Uses
3: Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. we um, use
1: WhatsApp, we used um, Maps Me.
3: Maps Me, I highly recommend. Because
1: then you can it just downloads the maps and you don't have to have any sort of service In or anything. A, yeah. And that works really well. I mean I navigated Vietnam using Maps Me. Um,
3: you can well. pin, you know, locations and send but, and,
1: but yeah, I mean, it, the phone thing may be worth it if you're gonna be in one area. But we we're moving around a lot, and it was gonna be pretty expensive to either get a plan that would work for that. Um,
3: I mean, and the truth is that so many places have Wi-Fi now. I mean, a Cambodia, little tiny, I, you know, restaurants have Wi-Fi. Like you're never really that far from Wi-Fi. So the, I, I remember that the phone thing was a great stress to me before we left. But once you get on the road you're never more than five minutes from some wifi. So as long as you just have your phone and can connect to the internet, if you have WhatsApp, if you have email, I mean, it's really fine. It's so much easier than you think it's going to
0: be. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a site you want to share or anything? Were you blogging about the trip or anything like that? Or?
3: We were, we're not currently. Yeah. Uh, we, we've been back for a few months and, um, I think, uh, yeah, we don't really have. We have had an Instagram handle, but uh, it'll be for our next trip. Yeah, that we're. Well, we're you guys are just here to
0: share this whole experience, and I'm. Yeah, yeah. So, we
3: just missed you, Jason. Well, I missed you guys. <laughs> I
0: I was so thankful that uh, we were able to hook up here this year plus later and catch up with you guys and do it all in one episode. This is like you guys have made one of my dreams come true to like put an episode <laughs> yeah. together like this. I just think it's really awesome to see and hear, I should say, you know, your unique journey before that journey, before the, the journey that we talked about. And then now after, and um, wow. I mean, I know you guys have a million stories to tell and we could oh, keep man, going. Take hours. <laughs> going on. But like, yeah, I, first of all, just yeah. once again, congratulations on the engagement, on the trip, thank you, everything you guys have done. And it's, it's so cool that, you know, travel's important to both of you. And now you've had these experiences together. And obviously that led to even more togetherness.
3: We made it. We're alive. We lived. You
0: can do what
3: you can too. That's
0: great. Final words of wisdom, right?
3: <laughs> Final words of wisdom. Yep, do you have absolutely.
0: anything else to add to that?
1: Take a tiny pack. Get the backpack back. you think you need, and get the next size down. I promise you. You're going to be so much Your happier. Your pack's too
3: big. Your, Your pack's pack too you- big. I promise you. <laughs> you know, we we would see people. We would see people with like a backpack, a smaller backpack, and then like a tinier bag, and then like a purse. And it's like I I don't know what you have in there.
0: It sounds like one of those Russian jo- doll situations. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> if you let, if you're willing to just sort of. Let the vanity go and travel with a smaller pack. It makes your whole life so much easier. We did it for a year. Um, And I think, yeah, that would be like our most valuable piece of Mm -hmm. advice is just like carry-on size. Teague used a Go-Ruck. I used a Tortuga. So important. You
1: need uh, so much less than you think. Yeah. And if there's anything you actually do need, they're going to have it wherever you're going. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And I I didn't think of that when we went. I thought I was like packing like I was going to the moon.
2: Yeah, no. Um, But
1: you get, you know, if I was starting again, I would just fly to Bangkok with like my passport and a toothbrush and just get everything there. (laughs) Nice. Um, But small pack, that's my number one thing. Small pack, one pair of shoes.
3: That's awesome. If
0: you can. Okay, great. And have fun. (laughs) You guys shared so much. I mean, totally just honest laying it all online on this podcast before and after. It's so great to catch up with you both. And I hope that... You come through Europe again, at least when I'm here, or yeah, maybe I well, can come yeah. through. Uh, you guys live in New Mexico right now? We live yep. in New
3: Mexico, but our long term plan, Jason, is in the next five years to move to Europe.
0: Okay, so right we'll on. come
3: see you. Well,
0: I would like to come to New Mexico and get some <laughs> warm air because yeah. uh, it's cold here right now. But.
3: Well, you always have a place with
0: us. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, I hope we cross paths soon. And um, yeah, I really, truly appreciate your time and thanks for sharing everything you have and congratulations on everything and welcome back home. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Happy travels. All right. Take care. Cheers. <laughs> there you have it. We just traveled through time and witnessed how powerful and transformative travel can be. And I want to say thanks once again to Sophie and Teague. They really kick-started me in the direction of recording more episodes like this for you. Again, they take a lot of time but well worth it in the end. And this was the first one. I hope you enjoyed listening to this highlight from the archives. Two more things before you roll out of here. I got to answer that question quickly at the top of the show. How do you use big picture thinking to accomplish all of your travel goals and more? Not to go too long-winded on this, but when I talk about big picture thinking, I'm talking about taking like the bird's eye view and looking at things as big chunks of time. And it's really easy to get caught up in... The smaller picture, right? A good example of that is knowing when you quit your job to travel the world that the next week you're not going to have a paycheck or the next three weeks or the next four weeks. And that's scary. I mean, that you have to take that seriously. That's no joke. And I'm not saying this to like, you know, downplay any of the small picture things that happen. But when you zoom out and you look at the big picture and you're working towards a vision or towards your dream or something else, you know, maybe that big thing in the small picture becomes a small thing in the big picture. Another example might be when I took off to go to college. I didn't really even think much about it. I was just like, "Hey, I'm just going to go into this debt and spend four years at this school and It's not like I regret it and I value my education of course and i'm I'm so grateful that I, that I went and had the experience and I think it was something I needed. For myself, but at the same time, it's like I didn't even question it. It was just kind of what everybody did, and it's just what I thought I was supposed to do. And that's a huge chunk of time. And it's really easy to kind of just fall into those commitments, just because it's kind of like, hey, that's kind of what you do, without actually taking a step back to think about the big picture and to to question it. You know, is it really something you want to do? Is this the best use of my time? Is this the best use of my money is this the best place for me to be right now in my life? Just because it seems like the right thing to do, or society says it's the right thing to do, doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing to do. What if I took the same amount of money and you know educated myself through online courses and used that money to travel? So I was educating myself around something else I was passionate about and working on that craft while I was getting a travel experience. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to do things, is my point. And getting caught up in the small picture and the minutiae things is, can be a trap. It, it doesn't mean that those things shouldn't be taken seriously or those aren't real challenges to overcome. It just means that it's easier to make big decisions, I think, when you're looking at the big picture and it's easier to create a vision for yourself as well. And if you think about, it, I mean, if you imagine a foggy day and and you're down on the ground, it's it's hard to discern where you're at. But if you rise above the fog, you get some perspective and then and, and you can see where it's clearing, maybe you see across to the horizon and where it opens up or whatever. I mean, it's just a metaphor, but the point is it allows you to see your own vision and allows you to see maybe some potential solutions to challenges that you may not have considered before. So I like zooming out and taking that big picture thinking approach when I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this next chunk of my life or whatever because knowing and understanding my past and how I can now reflect on (laughs) chunks of my life and how I've spent them and what it's done for me in hindsight but i didn't know at the time and there were certain things that were challenging at the time but ended up being you know good for me or helpful in some other way of course it's hard to understand those things until you experience them but either way at some point i think i figured out that thinking about the big picture was more helpful than concentrating on all of the various challenges of the present moment or at least letting them overwhelm me to the point of inaction You know, so that's, that's what it has done for me. And I just wanted to share some thoughts around big picture thinking with you today. Now I've got to give a shout out to somebody in this community and then I'll leave you with a quote. Uh, This is for Abigail who wrote and said, greetings from Florida. She said, hi Jason, my name is Abby. I'm a 21 year old entrepreneur living in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm originally from the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. Recently started listening to zero to travel. Love it. I've gotten to where I listen to Zero to Travel more than I listen to music. Thank you for that. Hopefully you're listening to this now. Uh, She goes on to say, the podcast and your guests inspire me to travel and move abroad. Being from a very small conservative town, I grew up with the mindset that women could only be teachers, nurses, or stay-at-home moms. Little did I know that I was more than capable of traveling abroad solo as a female traveler through growing my self-confidence. I've been in nine countries and planned my first solo backpacking trip. The trip was supposed to start in January 2021, but COVID got in the way. I was planning on traveling for four months all across Europe and going as budget-friendly as possible. Not a day goes by that I don't think about the travel experiences I was gonna have. In lieu of the pandemic... I couldn't help but think that I am not meant for the typical nine-to-five workday. Then I'd listen to your podcast more, and each week it eventually dawned on me about being location-independent and being a digital nomad. So... A lot of twists and turns here for Abby. She went on to actually say that she created a Facebook group for uh, women to help build self-confidence. That's called Nomadic Babes, if you're interested. And uh, just said some nice things about the podcast as well. So anyway, I wanted to give Abby a shout out just for kind of rising above the limiting beliefs of her conservative town and opening up and growing that self-confidence and getting out there and traveling it's really cool And now even paying it forward and trying to help connect others to do the same so uh really appreciate that thanks for taking the time to write abby and uh just always a gentle reminder here i love to hear from listeners i mean i make this show for you i'm not making this for myself i'm standing here by myself in my little loft studio but i'm talking to you i mean we're hanging. Uh, you are why this show exists. So please get in touch. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com. Leave me a voice message. Drop me a line. Uh, let me know what you're up to. I'd love to share these stories with the community so we can all help each other learn and grow. That's what this is all about. Speaking of learning and growing, I am going to leave you with a quote. And it's from a book I am reading. I mentioned that I'm reading a book. It's very appropriate to this episode because the book is called Transitions. Making sense of life's changes. There's a revised 25th edition. This is an older book, but really timeless. I'm reading it right now and this is going to put a nice bow on the episode, I would say, because transitions happen throughout our lives. And this book has even illustrated some that uh, are common to certain ages and it's brought up a lot of questions and it's made me reflect on some of the transitions I've made, not just my transitions to travel. But other transitions out of, say, a nine-to-five job, uh, out of uh, being a nomad and into living a sort of regular life, transitioning to being married, to having children—all so these things happening—and transitions are part of life. And if we can learn to manage them in a way that feels empowering to us, I think that's a huge uh, skill or maybe huge thing. I don't know. I don't know if I call it a skill, but. Uh, It could be an important thing to be aware of, knowing if you are, in fact, going through a transitional period now, what that might mean, and how to kind of treat yourself, how to think about the situation, what it means There are a lot of questions, and I am actually going to be giving a talk at Camp Indy, our in-person event, which is going to be September 17th to the 19th in Kent, Connecticut. So please, I know not everybody's willing to get on a plane, but I mean, if if you are, if you're willing to uh, drive, if you're within driving distance of Connecticut, say Boston, New York, that area, or you just want to hop on a flight... And come hang out with us. We got 300 acres, so we got plenty of room <laughs> to space out. And we're going to be doing an adult summer camp along with some uh, talks and education around this question of how to achieve time, location, and financial freedom in this new world, right? How to get that lifestyle freedom. And my talk is going to be about the power of transitions. So that's one of the reasons I'm reading this book. And I wanted to leave you with... Uh, I told you I was obsessed with this topic, right, of transitions. I I am. I I find it fascinating in my own life and in the lives of others. And um, I wanted to leave you with this quote that I just highlighted from the book the other day. And in the book he says, finding out what it is time to let go of often provides the way to initiate a transition meaningfully. So he's talking about initiating transitions here. Unfortunately, people are more likely to... Ask what new thing they can add to their lives. Even though they may get an interesting answer to that question, they won't be able to use it to make a meaningful transition because people have to start with endings, letting go of whatever it is time to let go of before they can make new beginnings. If they fail, they find that even, quote, great ideas and, quote, really exciting possibilities simply do not help them. So start with this question. What is it time to let go of in my own life right now? And I found that poignant in a lot of ways. Letting go of something, you can't really get into the transitional phase properly until you let go of the the, the sort of phase that you were moving on from. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know, a lot of these things, obviously up to interpretation based on what's going on in your own life, And that's what I'd like to do here is kind of give you some food for thought. Everybody's in their own different situations, having their own transitions going on right now or not. But you can take with this, uh, from this episode, what you want, what's going to help you. So I hope you uh, enjoyed it. Thanks so much for spending time with this podcast and with me today. Have a wonderful day. Smile and make it a great one. Take care and I'll chat soon. Peace and love to you.